Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Character and Smallman podcast powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Welcome to Carriker and Smallman and Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. It is 701. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Looking forward to three great hours of sports. Actually, uh, four great hours as Danny Mac will stick around until 11 o'clock with Brandon Kylie. And first of all, good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Dan. Rando, Michelle, always good to see you guys. Emily. It's, it's a good morning because the Blues scored a goal. All right. No. But, Randy, they lost the game. They went up in 139 minutes without a goal. Didn't that make you excited? And 33 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah give them the 33, too. Yeah, they, they did lose 2-1 to one to the L.A. Kings. The Blues have now won one game in regulation in their last 10. They've won three games in their last 10, only one of those in regulation. How about at home? 1-5-1 one, and one yeah. in their last seven. Power play concerns yet again. They're 28th now on the power play, did not score again. They had an initial power play in the first five minutes of the game, and he thought that might set the tone for him. They did not score. Thought they had pretty good chances, but just couldn't do it. 28th, and it's 12.9% now on the power play. Eight for 62. Yep. And now that we're just throwing bad things out there, Marco Scandella, puck to the face. Ouch. Mm. That so that's what, in the last five games, you've lost Schwartz, Pareko, Barbashev, Gunnarsson, Scandella. That's hockey, baby. Yeah, it is. They're going to have to go down to their satellite camp, yeah. just like the Cardinals. Yeah. Oh, oh, by the way, we should point out that you do still have O'Reilly, Perron, Hoffman, Krug, Falk. You should be able to score on the power play, if nothing else. I don't understand it. I don't either. I, I don't understand it. I mean, they have talent on that power play, but yet it just is not generating any offense. I thought they had chances last night, just didn't score. Right. It yeah. was there. They just didn't score. The goalie for L.A. Anderson was good. And, hey, you know what? It, this is wearing on us. Craig Bruby says it's wearing on the players, too. Well, I'm sure it wears on them. It wears on everybody. Um, you know, you, you tend to start squeezing your stick and trying, you know, it's a, you're, you probably tr- you tend to end up trying to do too much, which isn't a good thing. You know, it just takes you from, it takes away uh, the you know, player skill errors, um, composure and relaxation out there you know when they're playing you know what i mean like it's more composure but um it does it wears on guys so uh you know like you know we did a lot of good things tonight like i mean we were obviously having trouble scoring goals it's not like we're not creating opportunities and chances we are and uh thought our team worked hard tonight there are several teams in the league pick the red wings the senators maybe new jersey where 
a line of Robert Thomas, Jaden Schwartz, and Vladimir Tarasenko would be their number one line. Mm-hmm. And the Blues are missing a number one line. And now you take out Pareko and Scandella. That might be the starting five for some teams. That's ridiculous to think about that you're yeah. missing a starting five. But I guess the positive news for the Blues is that even these games they're losing, they're close games. There's yeah. some good things coming out of it. They're in them. I don't know how many other teams could lose the names that you just mentioned and even be in these games. Think about this, though. Are you guys seeing a lot of traffic in front? No, No. not at all. That's one of the things that I I look at, too. And when coaches talk about, you know, the ugly goals or creating goals, it's the stuff that goes in front. And the Blues had no rebounds created, no rebound shot attempts on five on five last night. That's a problem. That is a real problem. And that's one of the things that Jaden Schwartz does well. Even though he's not a big guy, he'll at least get to the front of the net and get into a situation where he'll create a rebound or pick up a rebound. And Vladdy is 220 pounds. Now, Vladdy wasn't there last year when they were one of the highest scoring teams in the league. But you do need that. And the Blues, at this point, the the players that they have on hand aren't doing it. O'Reilly can go to the net. But when you have a statistic like that, that's notable. That's the kind of thing that Oscar Sundquist, who did get the goal last night, has to do. A guy, when you have a player like Zach Sanford with his size, he's got to go to the net. Oscar De La Rose has to go to the front of the net. You don't expect Jordan Cairo to, but there's plenty of big guys that can do that. A problem, too, is that this is the quote-unquote kind of soft portion of your yeah, schedule. Oh, yeah. And you now you're missing these points at home. Like I said, just one win in the last seven seven games. Sharks postponed Thursday night's that's game tonight. against yep. Vegas. So that's tonight. So Golden Knights. Uh, let's see. We got the Blue Play schedule. The Sharks on Saturday. May or may not happen. Now, Tomas Hertel, a uh, reported case of the COVIDs going on. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Not great. Nope. Not good. Cardinals will play their first game on Sunday down in Florida. And uh, we're going to see that game on FS Midwest. That game will be televised. Yeah. Against the uh, Pesky Nationals. All right. The Pesky Nationals. On February 28th, I believe, is Sunday. So that'll be our first game. And we'll come your way at noon, St. Louis time. And we only see like four teams, right, during the course of spring training? So you can't go out of a 40 either mile or minute radius for your little hub. So, mm-hmm. so you've got, you're, you're going to see a lot of the uh, the Nationals, the Astros, the Mets, and the Marlins. Kind of like a regular spring training. <laughs> yeah. So you're not going to the other side of the state. So you won't see... Uh, you're not going to go to Tampa and see the Yankees. You won't see the Red Sox. You won't see the Twins, but you will see those games. And there's 24 games instead of what would be normally 32 to 34 games in spring training. Which I think is great. I do. I, I, I think there's more off days built in here. Um, as we've talked about a lot, I guess from a from a organizational standpoint, you, you have all these pitchers. you got to get ready. Yeah. That's the concern. You're 90 fewer innings in games. Now, the other thing to consider, guys, is that some of these games may not go nine innings. So yeah. if, you know, if um, Mike Schilt says on Sunday to Davey Martinez or vice versa, and they, they talk the night before and they say, you know, we got some guys, we want to get them some work, but then, you know, let's we're only going to play seven innings. That may happen. Mm-hmm. So um, the way it initially started, the reports were that by mid March, either the 13th or the 15th, you're only supposed to play five inning games, and they scrap that. And so now they're leaving it up to the uh, the managers to come together and say, okay, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> what are managers going to do? I, I don't they're know. Gonna, they're going to play as much as they can. They're going to see as much as they can. I think, I think some, the more I talk to people, they are so 
conscious of, and it's great that they are, of being socially distant and mm-hmm. responsible to keep, just get through spring training. Let's get healthy. Let's yeah. get our 26-man roster that if they can get guys in, get the work and get out, they're out. And that's so, I, I agree with you, Randy. I mean, they want to play nine inning games. You want to, yeah. that's kind of the fun thing. Is, I don't know if you guys like this, but the fun thing is spring training for me is watching Nolan Gorman and Matthew Liberatore yeah. and Thompson and some of these young guys we hear, Herrera, I want to see him play. We've been talking about him for months. That's the great thing of spring training. But if you only have seven innings, you got to get your 26 guys you're yeah. going north with ready. Right. So playing time could be curtailed a little bit. The latest on Tiger Woods, you may have heard yesterday, the L.A. County Sheriff said he was not drunk during the crash, said it was purely an accident. ESPN's Stefania Bell, their injury expert on Tiger's injuries. We start with the word comminuted. Comminuted means shattered. Multiple fragments when you have a fracture. Open, that means that the bone punctured the skin. So you're dealing with an open wound on top of the fractures. They said they stabilized the fractures with a rod in his tibia. That's the thick bone of the lower leg. You put a rod in there to provide stability for the bone to heal around it. Surgery takes a long time because it's like putting together a jigsaw puzzle when you have a shattering. You heard about pins and screws in the foot and ankle, so multiple injuries there. And then a procedure to release pressure from the muscles in the lower extremity. This is common with these high energy injuries, we call them. There's not just the trauma to the bone, there's trauma to all the soft tissue around it. And that can create significant swelling. You have compartments of tissue in your lower leg, and if the swelling becomes excessive, you can damage nerves and blood vessels. So they do a release called a fasciotomy to take pressure off those vessels. Now, the extent of the soft tissue injury, we don't know. That hurts to hear. Ow. Yeah, he's going to have a long road, a long recovery road ahead of him. And He's not going to be walking it either. (laughs) Randy. But all of that stuff that you just heard Stefania Bell outlined, that doesn't even include anything that may have been disrupted with his back that he was already healing. I was thinking that too, Michelle. You know, he's coming off his fifth back surgery. Mm -hmm. Did you guys see the interview during the Genesis with him? Yeah. Kind of seemed zoned out a little bit. Um, I, I just, he has become a sympathetic figure after what he went through in his personal life. And we've talked about it, how... It just seemed like all the players on tour went from a guy that he didn't want to mingle with that now all of a sudden they're all just so much pulling for him. And the one thing she didn't mention, and I've been reading about what he's going through, is infection. Not not that I'm a doctor, but I mean, I I just heard that that is just imperative with all this. So, I mean, if you think about Alex Smith and what he went through, Mm -hmm. and they talked about the infection that he'd had to deal with at times and his surgeries and trying to come back, that they've mentioned that a lot is how Tiger's going to try to have to come back and making sure there's no infection in the leg. It's just really sad. I mean, the last thing we probably should be talking about is whether or not he's going to golf again. It's just whether he's going to walk and live a normal life beyond this. And can he get out and play with his kids? Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. That is your opening drive in the middle of the fairway here on Carriker, Smallman, and Danny Mac. You like that? Your first drive in the middle of the fairway? I like that. Coming off the Tiger Woods story, yeah, yeah, a little golf go. there, sure. Greg Emzinger has an early call at MLB Network today, so he will join us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We need your tech 65780. What are you sick of this week? 
This uh, little segment started a couple of weeks ago when Bradley Beal had a 47-point game and a loss to the, I think it was the Minnesota Timberwolves. And his wife, Michelle, hit the uh, social media and she said... Sick of it. So sick of are. it. We are sick of it. Well, what are you sick of? Well, I'll tell you what I'm sick of, Dan. I am sick of sports ownership asserting their desires and dominance over players. It is clear that NBA players don't want anything to do with an all-star game. Right. So NBA ownership, even without asking them, said, you know what, we're going to play an all-star game. We're going to take it from Indianapolis. We're going to put it in Atlanta because TNT is there. LeBron says, well, I really don't want to play. All the players say, well, if LeBron doesn't want to play, we don't want to play. So... <laughs> We're going to have an all-star game where nobody is going to want to play. It's probably going to be pretty bad, and it's all because ownership didn't, as Michelle would say, read the room. You don't need an all-star game in 2021. We're dealing with COVID. You just put together the second half of your schedule yesterday, and now you're telling us, yeah, we're going to have an all-star game because we think people will like it. No, we won't. I'm I'm sick of it. Randy, translation, money. Money. Follow the money. Translation, yeah. money. We think fans will like it. Translation, we'll get ad revenue from this. Right. Ridiculous. <laughs> That's what it all comes down to. I know. Follow the money. Now, aren't they putting the players on private planes? Yeah. They're going to put them on it, private planes to go out there and go do this? Yeah, but you still have COVID issues in the league. You, you're I'm, just James, asking, I'm not yeah. saying it's right or wrong. Yeah, I'm, just, no, I'm just asking some background here. You're turning James Harden loose in Atlanta? That seems like a mistake. That seems like a mistake. We know. We know. Atlanta is ready for James Harden. We'll put it that way. Yeah, they are. <laughs> okay, I have two, you guys. First of all, I'm sick of seeing Blues players get injured. I'm sick of Blues players getting injured. It's every game now we're seeing another member of the St. Louis Blues get injured in one way, shape, or another. I'm sick of that. Also, I understand that it's a it's an important storyline, Jack Flaherty and the arbitration hearing. I, I know that that's something that we want to talk about. But I'm already sick about projecting if he's going to stay or go. I think there's so much excitement surrounding this Cardinal team, and it's a, such a great season for him and a great opportunity for him if he's let loose to prove himself. But I don't want every time that he pitches that conversation to also have the, but what if he leaves? Do you think that this great performance is going to contribute to him leaving? Let's just enjoy him while we have him. He's kind of like the Rams. That's right. It is a little bit like the Rams. So you guys think he's gone, huh? I think there's a, a big chance that he'll test the waters. And I don't, I don't, I'll put it this way. I'll be shocked if he makes a deal with the Cardinals before going to free agency. Interesting. I would be surprised even if we get to 2023 and we have a lot of $300 million contracts, if the Cardinals will want to go there. And to me, he looks like Garrett Cole. And so, yeah, I think that uh, there's a... A pretty good chance that he'll depart for the big, 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 big money. Got to stay healthy. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. That's the one thing when I look at players in baseball specifically turning down guaranteed money. More so, I would if I'm a pitcher, I'm like, yep, where do I sign? Because I'm I'm one throw away from my shoulder busting out. Oh, yeah, now, that's a great point. If my elbow busts out, I got no problem with it. I I don't want it to happen, but I got Tommy John. I can come back. Everybody seems to come back from Tommy John. It's a surgery that's been basically perfected. So I'll take my chances on that. But your shoulder, they haven't figured that thing out. And that's where it comes in. Now, if I'm a position player, it'd be really hard to turn down guaranteed money. Like, for instance, Chris Bryant. And number one, the money was just ridiculous. But number two, you're also one pitch away from taking one in the face. Or they're giving you 
money that's going to not only take care of you, but your family for generations. And if it's invested wisely, they're never going to have to work again. Anybody in your family. So take it. Take the money. I, I just don't understand I that. I agree. Um, I'm sick of the injuries, too. Shorts, Pareko, Barbashev, Gunnarsson, Scandella, uh, Tarasenko. I can just go down the line and, you know, I, that was my, my uh, I'm sick of, sick it. of it. Yeah, I'm sick of it. All right. Emily Butcher, what are people sick of on the text line? 65780. From the 434, from the four three four. I'm sorry. I'm sick of hearing Blues fans complain about injured players while still having a winning record. Try being a Red Wings fan. I watched <laughs> the Red Wings two weeks ago. They were playing Tampa. Mm-hmm. And it was five minutes in the game, and it was 3 nothing, and it was like you were watching a rec league game. <laughs> they were so bad that night. Oh, my goodness. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe that this is the Red Wings. You know, you just think if you're a Blues fan. You're like, oh, the Red Wings are going to be all right. I mean, yeah. I know they've had some down years, but they were bad. Do you really want to try being a Red Wings fan? Yeah. No. No, that Randy's going to punch you in the face at some point. Yeah. Well, Would you punch him? Would you... Uh, would you get into? I bet back in the day we had punch a Red Wing fan in the face day. What about it, it at the old day. the old arena? You'd go after somebody. Oh, those people, yeah, because they were they filled up the the, they did. the they bowl were man. Insufferable, yeah, they're you, insufferable. You don't see as many of them around anymore. Well, COVID has had a, something to do with that, but even in the last couple of years, I think they might have been bandwagoners. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, you're calling them out, huh? One of the bad. historic franchises of the NHL. You're calling out their fan base. I, I am because okay, I, it's it's like the uh, the the you know, fans you know uh, diehard fans since 2010. You know? Can you imagine being a Detroit sports fan? The Red Wings aren't good. The Lions are terrible. And Jared Goff is your quarterback now. Yes. And you're getting rid of Blake Griffin. And you're getting rid yeah, of Blake Griffin. One. And you just resigned Harbaugh to a big deal. But at least he can fall back on those Stanley Cups. What do you think is worse, being a Houston sports fan and watching so many stars leave Houston, or being a Detroit sports fan right now? Houston, because you, well, you, you won that championship, but it was fake. But otherwise, Rockets, they haven't won since. Probably going to lose Deshaun too. Yeah, they they they're since Elijah won since the mid nineties. Yeah, football you've never won. Baseball you never won until this illegitimate thing, and you don't have hockey. Yeah, Houston. And, yeah, like you said, you're losing all your guys. Although, it does beg the question, Are you? would you rather be watching these teams win or is it great watching greatness of an individual? You know, if you're going to be bad, you might as well have somebody in some reason yeah. to go to a game. True. Yeah. You know, that's part of it. Like keeping Deshaun, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. That, or keeping great. James Harden. Well, and, and, right, because those guys give you a chance to win. If you're going to lose, at least you go into the game with a chance to win. And you got somebody to watch. Games. Right. That makes it fun. Yeah. yeah. Wow, was he great. Right. We've yeah. been there before. Oh, yeah. We've seen it. Been there, done it. From the 618, I'm sick of MLB win projection systems. No, you don't want to listen to us in the 9 o'clock hour. <laughs> <laughs> They're all changing, too. They are. Everybody's got different ones. Yeah. Everybody's got different ones. Um I'm not sure which one it is. I think it's fan graphs. But they say, a lot of major league teams say it's about within six. Six up, six down. That that if you're projected like 88, you're you're okay. Which is most teams, right? Yeah, a lot of teams are yeah. like the mid-80s, yeah. 88. We trust Vegas here at Carriker Small. Absolutely. So that's, don't trust the math nerds. Trust the people that are actually going to be putting their money on the games. Yes. That's they very well hard. Put. Yes, they do. From the 573, I'm sick of all the Blues fans who never appreciated Petrangelo when he was a Blue. He was a glue guy for our team, and we wouldn't be playing this poorly if he were still leading our team. 
I think people appreciated him a lot more after the Blues won the Stanley Cup. Couldn't agree more. But yes, there were a lot of people that their vision of him, they thought his legacy was Jamie Benn sitting on him. Like you're <laughs> supposed to be able on your back to be able to lift a 230 pound guy off of your chest. But and, Randy, no one really did anything to help him. Well, whose fault is that? <laughs> but that's so, what those but, people say. Yeah, but then they won the Stanley Cup. I don't know. I And I always, if you're winning, it, winning takes care of everything. Yeah. Of course. You, you wouldn't now, say that. Now his image is hoisting the cup with right, the fireworks right. going off. Yeah. That's but the there immortal people, image. Yeah, there, there were people that just, for, well, they, they just didn't understand. I mean, this is a guy that was top 10 in Norris voting multiple times. He was one of the best defensemen in the league. All you had to do, even if you didn't understand the sport, was listen to people around the league and you knew that he was really, really good. And then you see the contract that he got, and you know he's really, really good. But there were people, and I think with wearing your the C and you don't win the cup and you miss the playoffs that year, then people are going to put that. Heck, they wanted to fire Doug Armstrong, too. I was just going to say, when you come up short year after year, winning the cup, regardless how good you are individually or who you are as a team, who who's on the hot seat? It's the GM, it's the coach, it's the captain, it's the goalie, yep. it's the star player. Right. I think you miss Bo Meester. I think you miss Steen. Mm-hmm. You know, you're missing some of those guys, too, that often get overlooked. In last night's the only defenseman that was dressed for Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals was Vince Dunn. Yeah. The, the other five were not there. So I mean, those are blue guys that are gone. Built on defense. Petro, Bomeister, Steen, Edmondson. Yeah, those are good players. Yep. From the 618, I'm sick of my coworker thinking the Cubs will win the NL Central. Oh, don't worry about it. Have some fun with that. Don't be sick of it. Embrace that because then every time they lose... There's going to be a few times that they lose in 2021. You just enjoy that. Savor Enjoy it. the ride is what you're saying? Yes. Enjoy, enjoy the, the journey. journey. <laughs> well, it could, it could get really interesting around July 31st if you're mm-hmm. a Cubs fan. Oh, yeah. They got to get off to a good start. And that'll be interesting to me if because their lineup's pretty good. If they can pitch a yep. little bit, they're going to be all right. They'll be fine. And the division's not that great. But if you don't play well and you're July 31st, then it's going to be the talk of Baez, Rizzo, Contreras, um, Bryant. Ms. Bryant, obviously. <laughs> I mean, those are the... Jack Peterson. Jack, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Zach Davies is another one that yep. could be on the way out. Probably Arietta would be another one, potentially, that would be... Absolutely. Um, so the whole team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're talking about some really good players that could be on the way out. Could. We'll see. And by the way, I kind of hope Shelby Miller makes their rotation. He's, He's got a shot. Yeah, non-roster guy in their camp. You may need it... Uh, well, if you look at it, teams are going to need more pitching than they ever thought of. So you might yep. as well sign him. And if he gets a minor league deal, and even if he doesn't make the club, and they say, well, you know, we're going to have this uh, highway back and forth from our AAA affiliate in Iowa, just hang with us, hang with him. He probably will. Baseball, while it's been fair because Shelby has made a lot of money, just uh, the, the baseball gods have not been very good to Shelby Miller. Had that great game against the Rockies. Yeah. Remember that? And we went 27 up, 27 down. And then he gets traded to Atlanta. He's an all-star that year. But that mm-hmm. Atlanta team was bad. Yeah. Really bad. And he he had something like, I don't know, it was 17 or 18 no decisions, but going like seven innings every game or something yeah, like that. It was something crazy. Guy. Yeah. He was great. And just if he had any run support or was on a good team, it would have been a different story. Right. And then... Tony trades for him, and it was traded for Swanson, and they never liked him in Arizona. No. And 
then the injuries hit, and he's been through a lot. Yep. Thanks very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Coming up, we know about that $340 million that Fernando Titi signed for, but how much is he really going to get? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Normally, at 7.30 on Thursdays, we talk to Greg Amzinger. He's actually working this morning, has an interview scheduled. So they're moving that for him. So he's got to interview a guy right now, Ronald Acuna. And so we're going to talk to Greg at 8.15. We're watching Mel Kuyper on TV. He's got his mock draft 2.0 out. And Michelle informs me during the break that Mel Kuyper eats pumpkin pie every single day. We know that, for example the head coach at the University of Alabama, and Nick Saban for breakfast every day has two oatmeal cream pies, two Little Debbie oatmeal cream pies. Mm -hmm. Every day, same thing. Mm -hmm. What could you eat every single day? And not gain weight? Yeah, well... You mean mean just from a flavor perspective, if I would want to eat it every day? You could could have an oatmeal cream pie and be in the condition of 68-year-old... Nick Saban. You could eat two oatmeal cream pies, eat a piece, or eat a pumpkin pie every day, and you would not be too fat. Well, I would want to eat a pizza every day. Yeah, pizza. <laughs> hmm. I would never get sick of pizza, no. ever. Yeah, pizza would be easy. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. Um, I don't know if pizza would be my play, though. I might go with, like, some Moose Tracks ice cream or something oh, like that. Oh, Randy, Moose Tracks is a great choice. Yeah. Underrated. Really good. Those yeah. little pups awesome. in there come awesome. there, delightful. Fantastic. You guys talk about a lot of food on this show. Yeah, Dan, it's part we're of the always deal. hungry. We're okay. always hungry. Yeah. Is that where Moose Good Boy gets his name? Uh, no, he's actually named after the former Blues goalie, Brian Elliott. We got him on the day that Brian Elliott was benched in the playoffs against San Jose. So our first picture that we ever had of Moose when he was a puppy is I set him on a bench and took a picture of him because oh. he was his namesake was being benched that day. So <laughs> did you decide to name him after Brian Elliott after he got benched? No, it was before. I thought oh. Brian Elliott was going to lead the Blues to the Stanley Cup Finals that year in 2016. Oh. He was playing great in the playoffs. Didn't go so well. How did you feel when you decided we're going to name our dog after this it's guy? A, it's and a then good he dog gets, name. It is, but then he gets benched that same Yeah, that was day. kind of disappointing. A lot of people saying that you would have carrot cake, Randall. Oh, uh, I would have Randy's carrot I cake I could do every carrot day. cake every day. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Absolutely. Hey, guys, Fernando Tatis signed that huge contract with the Padres last week. $340 million over 14 years. And we've read about how he's going to have to pay the taxes in California. His federal taxes are going to be... Uh, pretty outrageous, but and you got to pay your agent, and he's got to pay the point, agent, right? Yeah. When he was a minor leaguer, he signed with Big League Advance, and what they do is they will give a player a loan in exchange for a percentage of the player's lifetime earnings. So you're an A ball player, and they're basically gambling on you more than you are. So Tatis took a loan with this group. And the percentages, they can go from anywhere from 1% to 8% of a player's total earnings. If Tatis's deal, and it hasn't been revealed, if Tatis's deal with Big League Advance is for 8% of his earnings, that would mean $27.2 million of his contract is going to go to Big League Advance. And there is no out for Fernando Tatis here. But at the time, if you're a young player and you're not 
generating any income, you, you want to bet on yourself. And the CEO of Big League Advance, Michael Schweimer, said when we signed him, he wasn't considered a top 40 prospect at the time. Talking to investors, the amount of money we were offering him was a sizable portion of our bankroll. But we trusted the model. And clearly the model has worked. Yes. I, I find this fascinating. And it's a brilliant idea by mm-hmm. that group to do this and try to target young guys that they could invest in. Here's where I'm... I'm a little confused as to why he would do it. First of all, he comes from a pedigree of, of a major league player. Now, you'd think his dad had plenty of money that would be able to supplement what he wanted to do. Now, I think a lot of players, the reason that they do this, from my understanding, is if they get the money right then and there, one, it's either to take care of family and they come from a poor background. So you, you take that money and you, you take care of your family. And it's not a lot. I mean, it's it's... A decent amount, but I mean, yeah. when we're talking professional sports, it's not huge. Might be like 250 grand. Right. And the other thing is, minor league players, you know, you look at their nutrition or you look at how they live, uh, it, it it's pretty rough. I mean, they're not making a lot of money. There's guys sometimes on blow-up mattresses and eat McDonald's every day. So a player saying, you know, I'll take that money, invest it in my body, invest it in my well-being to try to get to the next level. Um, but I think Fernando Tatis Jr. like signed for like seven hundred thousand dollars because he was an international mm-hmm, prospect. Right. So he had gotten a decent amount of money on that. I, again, I, I can understand where you want to get that money and take care of your family. But I would assume for in his case, he probably did not have to do that with Fernando Tatis Sr. having he, made a pretty good living. He made eighty million dollars. Tatis Sr. Wow. did in his major league so career. So why would you do that? You know, and and now he's going to be out twenty seven point two million. Not to say they can't afford it, because even after the taxes, which is going to be what roughly one hundred ninety two hundred million dollars, then you pay your five percent to your or three or five. I think it's three percent to your agent. Then you're paying your, you know, your portion here. Believe me, he's going to be fine because he got a massive deal. But it is interesting, um, and I think it's a great idea what they did to 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 try to bankroll this mm-hmm. and make the money. And like you said, Randy, it's exactly right. It's a gamble, but it's, man, it's a really educated gamble. And the upside is for the agency, not necessarily the player here. You know what I find fascinating is that so many minor league baseball players would consider doing something like this because of the circumstances they're in. It's interesting to me that major league baseball organizations draft these guys and and say, you know what, we believe in your talent enough to draft you, you're going to be part of our future, but then they're not getting the money that they need to take care of themselves or to to train, you know, all the things that they need to do from a financial standpoint, it seems like the team would benefit from them getting more money and being yeah. able to handle themselves. Yeah. You know, some some guys get that money. You know, he's sure. he's going to they're going to make big money. So they they or they sign for big money. So they're okay. It's really the lower level guys that just don't have right. the money. Right. And you, you hear know? stories about that all the time where guys have to quit pursuing yeah. their dreams or playing because they don't have enough money to take care of their families. And Big League Advance started with an initial $26 million fund that closed in 2018. So in that time from their opening until 2018, they invested in 77 players. 83% of those 77 were outside the top 300 prospects when the player was signed. And of the 77, 45 had reached the big leagues. That's a percentage that the company attributes to the company's data analysis and predictive skills. So they're doing a better job of predicting young players making it to the majors than Baseball America or MLB Pipeline is. And it just, 
I, I know the Cardinals, they when for instance, like during camp, they, they sit down these players, all of them, and say, hey, here's some ideas for nutrition. Here's how you should take care of your body. Mm-hmm. Here's how you should sleep. Here, I mean, now are players going to do that? Some might. Some probably aren't, you know, because they're, they're just trying to hold on, man, sure. and play the game. But, you know, I can understand where a, a young player would say, especially players that come – from very poor backgrounds, yeah, and and they say, "Give me the money now." This is the only way I'm going to make some money, and they give it to their family, and it's a calculated risk that they take. And on the flip side, from the agency's point of view, what a what a great investment that is. I think it was run guys by a former major league player or a guy that was in major league baseball, and um, got the the funding to do the fund, and um, and it's paid off. I mean, it's. It is fascinating. You, you got to wonder what Major League Baseball thinks about that, and you got to wonder what agents think about that well, too. Scott Boris asks his clients not to take the deal from Big League Advance, but if you are good enough to be a Scott Boris client, you generally aren't going to need that kind of money because you're going to be drafted high or signed at a pretty high level. So I can see why Boris would advise his clients not to do it. But there's some other guys. There are agents that have one player. And or, or maybe some agents with players from Latin America that are going to take the upfront money, like you said, Dan, because they need it. Yeah, there, there's a lot of I think those players were from Latin America because yeah. they, they came from poor backgrounds and they were just trying to get the money back to their families. That's the primary target. And, and they admit it. The primary target is indigent and talented players from Latin America. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, like Carlos Martinez for fan. I mean, we all get frustrated with the great talent that he is. You know, he grew up sleeping on a dirt floor. Yeah. You know, I, these guys come from really poor backgrounds. I remember doing a feature on Albert Pujols, and he was going back to the Dominican, and I gave Didi, his wife, a camera, and I said, just take, for the feature, I said, I want to do this feature from your perspective, your eyes. Here's a camera. Go shoot the the video of where you're going to help out these these families. I'm telling you guys, it was amazing. Like, they're in a car, and the car is bouncing everywhere because the roads had potholes and it, it was just it was as poor as you could find it and some of the kids that you see are, are literally with no shirts no socks no shoes just wearing their underwear on the streets you know i mean that's where some of these kids are coming from it's very very poor and it's very very difficult for them i'm sure to turn down that money yes. when it's presented to them absolutely right. yeah they're thinking in the now they aren't thinking of course. 10 no. years down the road Coming up on 101 ESPN, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it. It is coming up. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort line 65780. Michelle, Dan, Randy, and Emily all with you. And, folks, let's get things started with this. According to Sports Business Journal, the NFL has asked ESPN for $3.5 billion a year for their Monday Night Football package for 10 years. And it's double what they're paying, correct, Uh, currently? Yes, and ESPN has offered a 20% bump up to $2.4 billion a year. Take it or leave it. Because of cord cutting and the diminishment of sports viewers, ESPN doesn't get Monday Night Football back. I'm going to leave it because so much of their programming is about the NFL. It is. Uh, I think it's a wise investment for them to do it. I think the, the bigger question would be, 
if you're ESPN, you got to come back and say, no problem. We're willing to do this. However, we need to have some playoff games or an AFC, NFC championship or a Super Bowl. That would be something that, because you think about it, when they, they have the Monday night game yep. and everybody in the country's watching Monday night football, but come postseason play, a lot of times they're on the outside looking in unless it's a wild card game. Yep. So enhance it with the better games. I think that, that, that if you're ESPN, the way that we as a society have a buffet of things to choose from, from a consumption standpoint, are debate shows always going to be something that you can rely on to generate revenue and ratings? I don't know. But I do know that there's no substitute for live sports. Yes. And, and if you're ESPN, you want that property. That's what you're built on. Yes. And Sports Center. And the NFL wants 200. This is averages out to about $200 million a game each week for the NFL season. But if I'm ESPN, I'll, I, I'm saying if I'm going to meet in the middle here, so if we're going to meet at like $3 billion, I need to get the streaming rights for the games that I'm airing. And they're already on it, but so I need to keep those. Mm-hmm. And like Dan said, I need to get more postseason action. I need to get a Super Bowl. Super Bowl would be the key. Yeah. yeah. Guys, we talked about the Blues having to deal with yet another injury last night. Marco Scandella takes a puck to the face. Yikes. In the face. In the face. Take it or leave it. You would rather take a puck to the face once then be in a ring with Conor McGregor for five minutes. So with the puck, you know it's going to hit me, it's going to hurt, but that's it. Oh, this is a good one. But with McGregor, you might be able to elude him as the clock goes down, but if he gets a hold of you, it's more than one hit. Puck to the face. Yeah, simply because you know that with the puck to the face, there's one thing that's going to happen. I mean, Conor McGregor. Yourself he, yeah, just get ready. <laughs> he, he, he get could, your wood teeth out. What if it's Colton Pareko shooting it at you? Now we're talking something different. <laughs> yeah. Or Al McKinnis. There you go. Yeah. And you really can't play defense against the puck. At least against McGregor, you can go and back up to the side of the, the, the edge of the octagon and just kind of hold on for dear life. Just turtle. Yeah. <laughs> just turtle. Yeah. I think I, I think I might go octagon too and just hope that I can outrun him. Yeah, no, it's, you're not, it's not so, likely. It's yeah, not maybe likely. I got to change this. If it's Pareko or McKinnis, yeah. absolutely not, because he might kill you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But so if I, McGregor gets you. He might kill he you. He might too. kill you too. Yeah. <laughs> you might die. But either here's way. the thing: if you get knocked out within the first ten seconds, you're fine. Just get knocked, at least McGregor's wearing gloves. Get knocked out in the first ten seconds, and you're good. I'd take, I'd take that over the puck to the face. I really would. I th- yeah, I think I'm going to. Can I change it? Yeah, you yeah, can. Yeah, I'm course. not taking a puck to the face. I'm going to run from McGregor. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's where I got to go. You know what? You can just bet on yourself. Yeah, I'm betting on myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to run like hell for five minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. Hold, hold, get in really good shape so that you can hold yes. your hand up and kind of hold them off as much as you can. That good would luck. be my only training is running. I would just yeah. train sprints, endurance. How, yeah. how fast can I run yeah. for five minutes? Yeah, that's, I think that, that's what you got to do. Yeah, All with right. the puck, you have no shot. No. It's going, your t- yeah. teeth knocked out, broken jaw, orbital bones. Definite, definite concussion. Yep. Yeah. Not All great. Right. Emily, what do you got for us? Well, I'm playing dead. I'm playing dead in that Against scenario. the possum? Oh, yeah. 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 I'm playing dead. Um, from the <laughs> 636. She's dead. <laughs> Emily's just dead. I'm playing dead. From the 636, take it or leave it, Bennington gets an extension by May. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to say that he gets it during the offseason, but 
I guess they could do that, theoretically. But I'm going to leave it anyway. I'm going to take it. I think it's one of those deals that they're going to get done before the offseason, before mm-hmm. he hits the offseason, and yeah. wrap it up and get it done, and then set your team from that. Oh, how much much money they have to spend on Schwartz That's once why. they sign him. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. From the 636, it's National Chili Day. Take it or leave it. While you can never go wrong with chili, it's better with beans than without. Oh, take it, yeah. I didn't even know that there was a chili without beans. I thought that was part of the foundation of chili. I did, too. White chicken chili is delicious. Oh. Always going to go chili. That's the best. White I thought so, chili. too, but maybe let's let's spin it this way. It's better with meat than without. Oh, yeah, take it. Got to have meat yeah. in there. Uh, vegetarian chili you can live with. I can live with. Yeah, but, uh, but, yes, better, yeah, but you're ruining better with it. Meat. Yes, it's better with meat, no doubt. From the 502, take it or leave it. Zach Thompson will be in the majors and in the rotation by July. I'm going to leave that. I think he will be in the majors at some point this year, but I think when it happens, it'll be in the bullpen. I think they'd rather ease guys in if they can, if everything lines right. Now, one of the reasons that he would be up at that time is ineffectiveness or injury, so it depends on what's going on with your rotation. But... As I look at it, you have other guys that could potentially be starters. Um, you know, you've got Oviedo, Woodford, Liber- Liberator, Thompson. I mean, ideally, you'd like yeah. to have guys get their feet wet out of the bullpen, then eventually move to the rotation. Are you surprised the organization issued number 57 to him? No. First time it's been handed out since Daryl Kyle. No, I-, I think, though, that they... I, well, I don't think. I know that when they decided to do that, it was going to go to someone that they trust, believe in, is a good person. Yeah. You know, just the right things that you would, the, the check boxes that you'd want to carry on that number. Would represent it well. Exactly. So thank you. That's what I'm trying to say. And that that's why I think they went with him. From the 314, let's see, I just lost it. From, I'm sorry, from the 636, take it or leave it. Bader wins a gold glove in his career. Oh, I'll take that. I'll take that for sure. I'll take that. Yeah, I think he will. It's got to be a full season. Might even um, do it this year. And it's got to be where you're not looking completely at analytics. And that's how, you know, Tyler O'Neill. when you watch Tyler O'Neill, his sprint speed is incredible. He's able to get to some balls that normally other guys didn't. And last year, the gold glove was awarded that way because teams didn't see each other. Mm-hmm. So the eye test, I think, is going to help out. And it, But he's got to play every day. That's the thing about Bader. So it ties into his hitting to where if he can be better against right-handed pitching. That means he's in the line every day. And that's the way I would view it is that he's got to play every day. Yeah, no doubt. But if he does, there aren't many better than Harrison Bader in the National League. He's very good. Very good. From the 636, take it or leave it. Someday the Blues will have a Hall of Fame like the Cardinals. Yeah, I'll take that. Well, in, in essence, they kind of do, don't with they? The with retired the blue, numbers? Yeah, the retired numbers and then the blue jackets that come out. Yeah. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of their Hall of Fame, I guess, without saying it's a Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. They have a great alumni base. So many do. are here. So many are here. So many are involved. So whether they call it a Hall of Fame or not, I think that would be great. And it'd be a great way to, and I'm being serious about this, when you do those kind of things and you decide to start a Hall of Fame, uh, that's the you you build those nights and you build those jackets and you build those bobbleheads to bring oh, yeah. fans into the yeah. stands. Of they course. are money makers too. Well, and think about you know ten years maybe down the road from now, how many guys from the Stanley Cup team that the Blues are going to want to honor in some way that might not be Hall of Fame players. I think that's an easy way 
you'll have that. a you'll have a 10 year reunion and then probably every five years yeah certainly every 10 years you're, you're going to do something um like the cardinals did with 64 67 68 and they had those guys mm-hmm. come back those that were living and fans loved it it was great yep from the 314 take it or leave it the cardinals begin the year with a six-man rotation I'm going to leave that. I'm going to say they don't call it a six-man Washington, but watch how Mike Schilt manages, uh-huh. and it'll be a six-man rotation to to some extent. And I'm going to leave it, too, simply because they have the, have the off days. They have that ability to yes. basically, Skip a guy. yeah, it would be too much time between starts, I think, with all the off days to have six guys starting. I think there's also going to be, by design, certain starts that if let I'm going to use... Uh, Let's just say an Alex Reyes, for example, or let's say John Gant doesn't make the rotation or Gallegos. Those guys are all getting stretched out to where you could have, I'm just going to throw Wainwright's name out there. It doesn't matter. Take your pitcher. But they know that that particular reliever has not been used, let's say, in two or three days and could give you multiple innings. Mm -hmm. So if things go right a couple times through the lineup for the starter in April, and one of those guys comes in and gives you two or three innings, and all of a sudden you look up, you're in the eighth inning. Mm-hmm. And it's not piggyback technically, but it's kind yeah. of a piggyback I situation. Think, I think that's a great way to go. The Cardinals, after opening day, they have the traditional next day off. So they're off in April, Friday the 2nd, Friday the 9th, which is kind of weird to have Fridays off. I don't off. like Fridays off. I don't either. And then Thursday the 15th and Thursday the 22nd. So they have, in each of the first four weeks of the season, a day off. So you really wouldn't need to implement a six-man rotation. So maybe the guys that you're talking about would be yeah, potentially. My, I, you know, Michaelis, I think you, you want to be careful with initially. Mm-hmm. I think he's the one that, more so than anybody else, I would be very careful with him, with innings. I'm, I, I agree because of... Usually that forearm turns into Tommy John, and you want to protect it as much as you can. Just make sure you're okay. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service 5780. Coming up, the Blues are in the midst of a three-game losing streak. They've won one regulation game in their last 10. So what's Craig Berube saying to his club these days? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Blues lost last night. It's it's 8.03. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And the Blues lost to the Kings 2-1. to one. And they have lost three in a row, all at home, uh, against teams that they are supposed to be beating now. Mm-hmm. They, they This stretch, mm-hmm. 10 games against the California teams, we're hoping, oh, the Blues can get 14, 16 points out of this. Well, they aren't doing it so far. But, Randy, what is one of the pillars of this show? Uh, everything, all roads lead to hardware. Okay, Michelle. so spin this for us. Because okay. we're not seeing a lot of great things. The power play is not great. The Blues won 5-1 and one in their last seven at home. Yeah. They've lost three in a row. A lot of injuries, Randy, so spin that's it for us. the thing. It's injuries, and that's why I am not on the panic bus. I still have complete you be. confidence in this team. <laughs> on the panic bus? Yeah. I think it's time to panic a little bit. Uh, I'm There's not. a lot of injuries because we're dealing with. That's why. A lot of injuries as Blues fans. Uh, there, there's only one way to, pa- to hop on the panic bus here. And I don't think it would be the way to go. And the, the, the only way to real, really panic is if you think your team is good enough to be winning these games and they aren't, then you got to replace the coach. And I don't think that's the issue. 
No, it's not the issue. No, no, no. So no. I'm not panicking. I'm going to wait until the guys are back. Here's what's going to happen. These are the O's Cardinals. All of a sudden, they're going to go in the room. They're going to see that lineup sheet for the first game of the playoffs, game number 57, because, gentlemen, it's all about game 57. And they're they're going to run their finger down and say, ooh, Pareko, ooh, uh, you've got Tyler Bozak, ooh, you've got Jaden Schwartz in the lineup, ooh, you've got number 91, Vladimir Cherysenko. All of a sudden, they're going to look down that sheet, and they're going to say, we got a pretty good team, and they're just going to roll through the playoffs. But you're going to have to look at that sheet before you start playing Vegas in uh, the Avalanche as many times you got to face oh. them before the end of the season. All I need to do is finish fourth. And Vegas and the Avalanche aren't that great. They aren't as good as we thought they were going to be. And we have Jordan Bennington. You better hope Bennington stays healthy. Yeah, he'll be fine. All right. Yeah, he's, he rocks and rolls. And you know what? That's exactly what Craig Berube has been thinking and saying to his team. Positive reinforcement. We got to, you got to keep working. There's not, it's like no magic potion to get out of it. Like, listen, you got to go out and you got to win close games. Like, um, you know, when you're not scoring, you got to, you got to, you got to win close games. And right now we're not doing that. We're losing 2 1 or 2 nothing. So we got to keep just working. Got to stay positive with everything. And like, it's, you know, we're going through some adversity right now. It's going to make us a better team down the road. Adversity will make you a better team down the road. That's that sounds like a pillar. Okay, I'm in. I like adversity. I just want health, build character. Yeah, all that stuff is great. How deep are they going to become playoff time? How many? They're going to have like two teams. But you, for the you have to get to the playoffs first. Yeah, they're going to. That's not think, All right. Think about these young players. Get all of this experience and start to hone their skills during this time. And then you're right, Randy. As soon as they start to ascend and really find their game, we're going to start getting some of the star players back for the Blues. This could be a positive. And by the way, Tory Krug still finding his way in the Blues system. What's he for, heard from the coach? Well, I think he recognizes that, um, you know, we're doing a lot of things well. Obviously, it's frustrating not getting any results. And uh, we're in a. Um, result-based business and um, no one wants to be losing like this so uh, just realizing that you know we are doing some things well but we got to get through this together uh, if everyone can do a little bit more um, not much more like we don't need any superheroes out there just do a little bit more and collectively as a group work through this together and I think uh, you know when you do work through times like this together it brings a group closer so um, that's what we got to keep doing having some superheroes wouldn't hurt though no it wouldn't but Tori Krug is right. This is something that hopefully could be a galvanizing thing for this team. When you watch guy after guy go down night after night, what is left for you as a team other than to say, we're going to go out there and win some for these guys. Now, we haven't seen those results come out yet, but the mentality part of this is right because I can't imagine being in that locker room and saying, Scandella, puck to the face, he's out oh. too? All of these guys are gone? It's got to be difficult to to look at the list of injuries and know that how how many how much of your talent is out right now. You don't worry about injuries. You worry about what you have. Don't worry about what you don't have. These are all Brian Sutterisms. Like, gentlemen, go to the net. You know, I, there's times we do we are getting we we are getting to the net, but um, and there's times we're not. I think you know we could be more consistent at it for sure. You know, I, LA did a great job on us for two games. I thought you know they were tight defensively. Um, didn't give us a lot of room out there. Uh, you had to work for everything. And and I think, you know, against a real tight defensive team and their system, we still created a bunch of chances both nights. Um, you know, our guys are working. Um, I think that they're, they are staying positive for the most part. 
we got we we just got to keep we got to stay positive and keep building and keep working. We got you know we're missing a lot of guys. I get that, um, but we still have we still have the ability to win hockey games, and that's the way we got to look at it. We got to win hockey games, um, and we will. We will. I you know I know that we will. Twelve point nine percent on the power play. Yeah, not great. There is a lot of talent still on the ice. So, you know, you, you think about fans say, well, you know, can't make excuses, next man up kind of thing. And I, I, I'm normally very much with that. I, I think, you know, you just deal with it and you move forward. Other teams are dealing with it. Other teams are dealing with COVID and all the other things of guys that are out. However, then there's the reality of it. And there is a reality here that they are missing key guys. Now, could it be better on the power play? Absolutely. Should it be better? Absolutely. Um, and one of the things I would say, too, is that, and I mentioned this in the first hour, there's just not a lot of activity in front of the net. So your second chance opportunities aren't there. That has got to improve. And skill is an uh, asset, too, as you well know. Uh, oh, hard work is no, a skill. Hard, hard work is a skill, eh? Hard work is a no skill. Question. So you got to do it. We've got this all figured out. Oh, it's cliche central, baby. Dan, they just need to make some adjustments. Adjustments, get in that tape room, film room, go over it. Like I always say, get, get in the yep. film room. That's right. Get, get the, the film, film room. room. And right. Tori Krug, is that how you fix the power play? Well, I think it's a, unfortunately the same old story. I mean, the one in the third period uh, to get ourselves a, a chance to tie the game up, that was a little bit better. Obviously, we pulled the goalie and uh, we had an, an extra attacker on it. But, um, you know, those are the little things that hopefully can snowball into momentum for this group. Uh, we're not getting rewarded for some of the work, and I think some of the work needs to be a little bit better. Uh, myself included, I take a lot of responsibility, a lot of pride in um, being on the top unit and getting our, our group some momentum, and uh, it's just not there right now. So, um, you know, I'll take some blame for that, and uh, we'll be better as a group moving forward. Uh, don't take any blame for it. Don't worry about it. We've you are like lollipops and sunshine. He's a, he's and- a good player. Yeah, he's a good player. But as he said, the results aren't there. The last time we won, why did we win? Because Tori Krug was making great passes. 1-5-1, and one, Randy, at home. Last yeah, Randy, seven. when's the last time that they won that game? Was it? They've lost three in a row? San Jose, they, they, yeah, they, the last game they won. Right. So Tori will be fine. So a lot of one-goal games, too. Tight games. Oh, Everything's that, been tight. Well, and that's what you have to play. you got to play those, uh, and you got to win those games. They're in a position now, serious, all serious. They have to play 2-1. One nothing, mm-hmm. three two games, and they have to find ways to win those games because they aren't going to score buckets of goals, and they're going to have to be like an old school '80s or '90s team with the trap. Now they can't play the trap, but they're going to have to win games where they just stifle the opponent defensively because their guys are gone. It's interesting with the the way the schedule is made up too, and I think it's a byproduct of the schedule where you're going to play tight games when you play teams back to back like this play tight games mm-hmm. and, it, and we're seeing that across the board in the NHL so again tight game last night now they got San Jose hopefully on Saturday San Jose is dealing with a COVID situation so we'll see if they wind up playing that game but not you know you're not running out of time but in an amazing in a 56 game season we're already deep into the season flying by. You gotta gotta figure some things out here especially on the power play five on five obviously is is where they're at their best but again no no traffic in front. You're not going to score. Yeah. Blues 8-4-2 with Jaden Schwartz in the lineup 2-4-0 without him. In the wow. And during his career, that's indicative of what the team does when Jaden Schwartz is either there or not there. They win when he's there, and they generally don't when he's not. He's kind of the engine of the team, with especially with 
Alexander Steen not playing anymore. That's Michelle. That's Dan. I'm Randy. It's 101 ESPN. And coming up, we're going to talk to Greg Amzinger, MLB Network. Let's see who he interviewed next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Sometimes in this business, things happen because it is live radio or live TV and things... We'll do it live. Schedules change, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and Greg Amzinger is standing by. He's at Secaucus, New Jersey's MLB Network Studios because he's getting ready to start the 30 for 30 series. They're doing the Atlanta Braves. And Greg may have to leave us in the inter- in the middle of this interview. We don't know. But good morning, sir. What's going on? Oh, man. We're taping 30 clubs in 30 days. An exciting day. I, I feel like I gave you a note that said my dog ate my homework. I, I-, I really <laughs> promise you that Ronald Acuna Jr. moved up his time that we had to interview him, and that kind of threw the whole thing out of whack. I, I have someone that can vouch for me. Um, this is my co-host today. Sean Casey, can you say hi to the guys? Hey, what's up, guys? I, I can vouch for that. Acuna threw a surprise on us, and, uh, you know, Greg had to do his job. <laughs> no problem. Uh, <laughs> Mayor, it's great to talk to you. How's everything going? Uh, we're good. I mean, I think, Sean, Sean, you're feeling good, right? I'm feeling great. I'm just glad baseball's back and, uh, you know, we're uh, we're getting ready to go. Arenado's uh, going to be doing uh, some big things out in St. Louis. I think. Uh, he knows who he's speaking <laughs> to. He knows what uh, he knows what town he's talking to right now. We love it. So, how was Acuna? He was great. You know, Sean does a breakdown tape in the interview that Ronald Acuna could watch. I'm telling you right now, you have to see the show tonight. It's going to be on MLB tonight, but the back half hour of the hour. And it is so crazy. He compares his swing to Roberto Clemente. And Ronald Acuna Jr. has never seen this before. No one ever told him that his swing was identical to Roberto Clemente. And his reaction watching the breakdown tape that Sean does is gold. It's priceless. You got to see it tonight on MLB Network. Greg, speaking of Ronald Acuna Jr., I saw this great piece on MLB.com that has a draft of players under 25. So if I'm giving you one of these three guys to start a team with, and they're relatively the same age, 22 or 23, who are you taking? Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., or Ronald Acuna Jr.? Well, I'm I'm obsessed with Fernando Tatis Jr. And for many reasons, uh, I love the way this kid plays the game. He's so happy every single day. He plays shortstop. To me, that my favorite player of all time is Ozzie Smith. I've said it numerous times, um, but I, I I just think that is a premium position. I, Juan Soto is the best hitter of the three, best pure hitter, and arguably the guy that could do something we've never seen before, which is a 50-50 player is Ronald Acuna Jr. They're all amazing, but I would take Fernando Tatis Jr. of the three because of the position and how important it is. Hey, Greg, obviously, Casey just brought up Arenado. With Arenado and a guy who metrically stacks up with the really good shortstops in the National League, DeYoung, Tommy Edmond, and Paul Goldschmidt, where do the Cardinals rank in your mind in National League defensive infields? I would put the addition of Nolan Arenado, who is the wizard at third base. I mean, I'm sorry, Brooks Robinson, but by the end of the day, we will view Nolan Arenado as the greatest defensive third baseman in the history of the game. That's how special he is. I think the Tommy Edmund at second base kind of throws it off. I'm going to go 
with the San Diego Padres. I just need to see Edmund play second base more. Jake Cronenworth, who is one of the top rookies in the National League, had a sleepy, terrific defensive season at second base. Put Eric Hosmer at first base. Nola behind the plate is pretty good. He's not Yachty, but he's pretty good. I think the Padres edge him. Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr., they're just crazy over there. So I think the the Cardinals are the second-best defensive infield in the NL, if you ask me. Greg, we had a little bit of a false alarm this week in regards to Albert Pujols and a retirement announcement. <laughs> uh, at first, we thought it was happening. Then his wife, Dee, Dee walked back the Instagram post and said, no, not so much. And Albert and his camp have said they'll wait to decide after the season. But what do you think? Do you think this is the final season for Albert Pujols? I think Albert Pujols wants to see if there's going to be a universal DH, and that will impact everything. I, I, remember when I said at some point, Nolan Arenado will be wearing a Cardinal uniform? Yes. Remember I said that a long time ago, well, before the trade? If there's a universal DH, it's just it's the bow on top of a perfectly wrapped present. Let Albert Pools come back, and it's worth every penny to sign him to end his career one more year in a Cardinal uniform. Now, I don't know if the Angels would like that because I know they've got some service contract that he's going to have 10 years where he's going to be Mr. Angel, but the deal hasn't exactly worked out perfectly. So I think it would be incredible to have Albert Pools come back if there's a universal DH to do that to end his career in St. Louis. What are guys saying around the league about Kevin Mather and what his comments were uh, in Seattle concerning service time moving forward with the CBA? It's awful what he said. I mean, look, there's a system, and front offices have obviously been gaming the system for quite some time. Um, Jared Kelnick, who's their top prospect, kid's a stud. He's going to be amazing to watch. Uh, Has every right to be upset. At the end of the day, Dan, you know this. A, a, A great organization has symmetry between players, the front office, and ownership. And when that's thrown out of whack and the players don't trust the people that are above them, that are that are affecting their service time, that there's a problem. I mean, if you're a kid right now and you're going, which team do I want to be a fan of? And you have no skin in the game. You're just looking for one of the 30 clubs. How could you not be a fan of the San Diego Padres who locked their guys up for 14 years? They got a guy making $300 million a contract, $340 million contract, Hosmer $144 million contract. They keep celebrating their players. They're talking about statues at press conferences for their players. That symmetry is big. It's important. And for someone like that in a powerful position to make fun of their players, to clearly show a divide, there's no place for it. And, and I'm not shocked he resigned. And I think the Seattle Mariners need to start anew. They, they need to flush that front office and, and, and just recreate the culture there in Seattle. And, Greg, that's, that market is a sleeping giant. With as much as the population of Seattle has increased, with as much money as the population of Seattle has, and a lot of those people, by the way, came from Northern California where they followed the Giants or the A's when they were good. If the Mariners could be good, that could be a heck of a franchise. I think so. And if you look at the prospects that they have, and that's one of the shows I get to do, the top prospects show on baseball, the Mariners are coming. So if you're going to get a new leadership, uh, new leadership, new CEO in the front office, this could be a sleeping giant in a winnable division. We keep waiting for the Angels to invest in all starting pitching, and maybe they've done that by adding a couple arms for them to just run away with that Western division. The Astros look like their best baseballs in the rearview mirror, uh, even though they could win it again this year, but long-term, who knows? Uh, the Seattle Mariners have every opportunity. The ballpark is pristine. Remember when King Felix was dominating King's court? Mm-hmm. These fans love the product when it's good. And if they were able to pull it off and have another terrific 100-win season back in the day when they had Edgar Martinez DHing for them, if they could recreate that magic, it would be all. One of my, my great friends is Harold Reynolds. I wish that they would 
bring back some of their great players who are brilliant people who care about Seattle, who care about baseball in Seattle, and have them be part of the leadership of that organization. Yeah. I think it'd be great for the fans there. Hey, Greg, one other quick thing. You mentioned the Angels and starting pitching, and they and the Phillies are both rumored to be interested in Highland, Illinois' Jake Odorizzi. Odorizzi just seems to me to be a natural fit with the Angels. I, I, if they don't sign him, I don't understand what's going on with the Angels. Do you want to win? I mean, we're not talking about an $80 million contract. This is an organization that's been handing out $200 million contract every single winter, except that one time they gave an extension to Mike Trout for $450 million. You clearly have a hole. It's leaking. Put a Band-Aid on it. Jake Odorizzi is the best Band-Aid available right now, and it's a winnable division. You go bring that guy, put him into the fold, and the Angels could easily, with, with Rysel Iglesias, who they put the back into their bullpen, I love that acquisition, they could win this division, and who knows, Go deep, and we all need to see the best player in the game right now. Well, we all know I think Fernando Tatis Jr. is the most talented. The best player in the game is still Mike Trout. We all need, if you love America's pastime, to see Mike Trout play in October. And bring in Jake Odorizzi. It's a must. I think they know that he's got all the leverage, that they need him. But at some point, I would be shocked if he wasn't wearing the halo on the cap. That'd be great to see. As we leave, last night we were texting back and forth, and we thought that you were going to interview Ronald Acuna after we did this hit on 101 ESPN. And you said, hey, give me a question. The question was going to be, last year you hit the longest home run in the majors, 495 feet. How bummed out were you that it didn't travel 500 (laughs) <laughs> right. And you know what, man? How about the person that said it was 495? Can we fudge it a little Come bit? On. Let's fudge it a little bit. 501. Is anyone going to, like, press charges against you? No. Come on. Yeah. Have a feel. If it, Everybody that's doing that job, if it's 495, it's 500. Yes. Come on. Play along. It's better to tell the kids later down the road. (laughs) Absolutely. Have a great day. We will be watching tonight, and we're looking forward to it. We always love having you on. Thanks, Greg. Uh, You guys are awesome. Just so you know, I did this entire interview standing next to Sean Casey in sunglasses in front of a green screen. I'll explain later, but uh, the whole crew is standing here waiting for me to get off the phone. It's hilarious. We'll see you later. Thanks. (laughs) Bye. Greg Greg Amsinger, MLB Network, and you can see him tonight with Sean Casey as they start 30 teams in 30 days on MLB. MLB Network. It's quite the visual to think of Greg doing the hit standing in front of a green screen with sunglasses <laughs> It really is. I, I'm fascinated what the, the fallout is from Kellenic and, and the Mariners. I'm, I'm just, I'm fascinated with it. it everybody damn, knows it's going on, but now you have it on tape and it's there with, when, the, with the CEO saying that. When I am Tony Clark and I get into negotiations with Bob Manfred and, and Mr. DeWitt, I'm going to say Based on what we know, because your guy said it, and we've seen it with Chris Bryant, and we saw, uh, remember when what the Brewers did? did was it J.J. Hardy when he was playing shortstop? I'm going to say, and I'm going to ask for, and this is something I'm not coming off. If a player plays a day in the major leagues, that's a year of major league service. I don't, I don't think there's any way that that happens. However, I understand where your your point is, where you're going with this. I, I just. It's so contentious, and they don't tr- the sides do not trust each other no. to the point you can't even get a DH figured out, even though both sides want it for the upcoming season. To have this come out, uh, it, it's just, you know, Kellenic. Now, the Mariners could say, look, he, he's played 21 games at AA. I mean, you could make the case there needs to be more seasoning with the easily. easily. 
However, when you have a guy on tape saying this, and they've proven that with another prospect that if he signed a long-term deal, we're going to bring him up, which they did, it's bad optics, man. Bad. And so it's going to be brought up. It's bulletin board material for the union, and the distrust factor between the two is not good. And by the way, Jerry DePoto, the GM of the club, told the media in a Zoom, he said, well, this would be so unprecedented because baseball hasn't had a player that has played so few games above double A and doesn't even have 800 uh, professional at bats and, and everything he said, I'm thinking, well, Albert Pools did that. He, he said it hasn't happened in the last three decades. And all I had to do was go to baseball, baseball reference. The Cardinals brought up Albert Pools under those circumstances. I said to Patrick, that's happened, hasn't it? And he said, well, Joey Bart last year with the Giants. Right. Same thing. 20, 21-year-old player with less than 800 pro at bats who has played less than 20 games above Able. And I think the unfortunate thing for the the player is they, they put a target on his back now. Mm-hmm. You know, he, had, he had to come out and address these things and say, yeah, I, I, I should be in the big leagues. I deserve this. Well, there's some other guys that are playing that position in his organization are saying, now, wait a minute. Hold on. I'm not a bad player either. Mm-hmm. I, it just it opened up a can of worms that did not need to be opened up. No. And all facets of it. Bad. Yeah. Kevin Mather is he's done with baseball. I would say so, because. You know, you got to think about this, too. Teams are looking at their own prospects, and they have, as we've talked about, uh, projections for three to five years and when a guy's going to come up. And, okay, at this point, we'll approach him with this kind of money and we'll do this. Now that could change because of the pressure that's been put on by the public comments. The fight is coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman with Danny Mac here on 101 ESPN. It is 835. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's time for the fight. And Randy's challenger today is Matt. What's up, Matt? How's your day so far? Hey, it's going great. I'm living the dream. Living the dream. Awesome. Matt, what do you do for a living? I sell analytical instruments, scientific instruments. I could get into it if you want, but... N- not really, but uh, <laughs> hopefully you're a really smart guy. It sounds like you are, so let's take down Randy. What do you say? Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So you're Team Matt, I'm assuming. I'm Team Matt, all, right, all the way. Let's go. All right, Matt, question number one. No pressure. Dan's pulling for you. <laughs> Which NHL player holds the record for most games played amongst active American-born players? Is it Joe Pavelski, Phil Kessel, or Dustin Brown? Let's go Joe Pavelski. Question two, who did the Cardinals receive when they traded Steve Carlton to the Phillies in 1972? Al Roboski, Rick Wise, or Reggie Cleveland? Oh, man. I was negative 10, so no clue. I'll guess Al Roboski. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Number three for you, Matt. Who was the oldest captain in Blues history at the age of 40? Was it Wayne Gretzky, Red Berenson, or Al McInnes? Let's go Chopper. That would be Al McInnes. 
Uh, yes, with, sure. yes. With the Cardinals visiting the Reds in the only game on opening day of 1994, what St. Louis center fielder and leadoff man homered in the first at bat of the entire Major League season? Was it Ray Langford, Brian Jordan, or J.D. Drew? Uh, let's go Langford. Okay. All right, checking our score here. Randy is. We will bring in Randall. Coming in. He's on his phone. Yeah. I don't know if he can see us. Hey, Did Dan, I, I got to give a quick shout out. We have a, a mutual acquaintance, Phil, oh. the uh, camera guy for Fox Sports. He's oh. on my bowling team. So. I love Phil. <laughs> Phil is. Yeah, he's Phil awesome. is. Oh, he's awesome. He's one of the hardest workers. We have so many people behind the scenes in our television and hockey games that work so hard. And for those shots of the roaming shots of the stadium or the arenas and you see them in the concourse that is phil he's lugging that camera everywhere and he would be down on the field when um the games would be going on to get those unique shots right before the first pitch and always mike Matheny gave him a fist bump so oh, nice. if you ever saw that guy with the fist bump that is phil nichols and uh, phil is just awesome and he also served our country so he's one of my favorite people in the world so thanks for bringing that up shout out to phil you yeah, got it absolutely randy, you got it please say good morning to matt matt good morning how you doing hey i'm doing great randy how are you doing well thanks for listening thanks for playing we do appreciate it question number one for you randy which NHL player holds the record for most games played amongst active American-born players? Active American-born players. Uh, I, I'm going to do the lifeline here. Is it Joe Pavelski, Phil Kessel, or Dustin Brown? I am going to go... Dustin Brown, they said last night has played 1,200. Kessel... Probably not that many. And Pavelski is old. <laughs> uh, I think I'll go with uh, Joe Pavelski. I don't remember any major injuries that he sustained. Who did the Cardinals receive when they traded Steve Carlton to the Phillies in 1972? Rick Wise. Randy, who was the oldest captain in Blues history at the age of 40? Oldest captain in Blues history at the age of 40. Um, I don't think Chopper was playing when he was 40. Arbor was pretty old. Uh, I hope this one doesn't come back to bite me. But maybe the first and uh, oldest at the age of 40. I'm getting old. Yeah. Um, Shots fired from Dan. Yeah. Well, they had that stretch with. Uh, they, they Dan off the top rope. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to disrupt you, Randy, your yeah. thought process, because he's Team Matt. I think Big time. I will go with Al Arbor. With the Cardinals visiting the Reds in the only game on opening day 1994, what St. Louis center fielder and leadoff man homered in the first at bat of the season? Major League season. 1994, center fielder, leadoff. Was he really leadoff? Because your center fielder that day was likely Ray Langford. So I'm going to go with him. Whew. We have a tie. We have a tie. Hmm. Both Randy and Matt each got two correct. So that leads us to the tiebreaker question. Matt, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to read the tiebreaker question. Randy's going to write down his answer on a piece of paper. 
You're going to get first crack at this. After about 10 seconds, we're going to ask you to reveal your answer. Randy then will reveal what he wrote down on the sheet of paper. First to get it correct or closest to the pin wins. You got it? Yep. <laughs> All right, Matt. Here is your tiebreaker question. And Randy, obviously. How many players selected in the first round of the 2016 NHL draft listed St. Louis as their hometown? All right, Matt, we're going to need your answer. I will go four. And Randy? Five. All right, Emily. Ring the bell. We have a winner. We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Randy got the tiebreaker question correct. Matt, you were oh so close. You were only off by one. So close. Let's run through all of our answers here, though. The NHL player that holds the record for most games played amongst active American-born players is Dustin Brown. 1,201 games. Who did the Cardinals receive when they traded Steve Carlton to the Phillies in 72? Matt went with uh, Hungo. The answer, though, is correct from Randy Rick Wise, who threw a no-hitter. He was also the, uh, did you know he won game six of the 1975 World Series? That's right, yeah. Yeah, one of the famous games in baseball history. The oldest captain in Blues history at the age of 40 was Al McInnes. Oh. So you were there, but you, mm-hmm. you didn't go with it. You didn't trust your gut, Randy. <laughs> I didn't. No. Uh, with the Cardinals visiting the Reds in the only game on opening day of 94, would St. Louis center fielder lead off man homered in his first at bat of the entire season? That was indeed Ray Lankford. And the tiebreaker question was, how many players selected in the first round of the 2016 NHL draft listed St. Louis as their hometown? The answer was five. Randy, how many of those five can you name? You have Cunnan, Brown, Kachuk, Frederick, and uh, Arizona Keller. That's the five. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. Matt, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for playing. Have a great day. All right. You too. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Matt. Good job by Matt on 101 ESPN. Speaking of those five Blues or St. Louis natives that are in the NHL, we're going to talk some hockey coming up with Jeremy Rutherford. Opening day, by the way, they're going to say in Cincinnati, potentially 30% capacity at the Great American Ballpark. Wow. Great. Yeah, that's what they're gunning for. Good. Well, that's what they gun for pretty much every night, isn't it? <laughs> some <laughs> nights it's like, it's like that. Yeah. It fills up later, though, Randy. It's a late arriving oh, crowd. Okay. You just don't know it. It's <laughs> like Miami, Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah it's a late arriving crowd. <laughs> Jeremy Rutherford next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. And our Blues insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, kind enough to join us this morning on the heels of the Blues 2-1 loss last night to the Kings. Good morning, JR. How you doing? Doing well. I wish you guys could see me every Thursday. My uh, segment with you guys is always right after the fight, and I'm always in my car pulling. I'm Team Randy pulling for Randy because I like Happy Randy when I talk to you. I don't want to text <laughs> off Randy, and and so uh, I'm in the car here, and I'm going, "It's five, Randy. It's five. Come on, come on." <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad. I, I I'm glad that somebody's willing to help me out a little bit here. Be on my Aww. side. Be on Aww. my side. Poor Randy. I just want everyone to have fun. Yeah. 
You want listeners to stay with you, Randy, and if you beat up on them, they're not going to come back. That, that could happen. <laughs> okay, I'm going to ease up then. All right. I'm going to throw a few here. Yeah, sure. JR, is it is simple to say as the Blues are missing, uh, and you tweeted this or had it in a story, Blues are basically missing a really good line with the injuries. Is Can, can we say that's why they aren't scoring lately? No, I don't think so completely. And, uh, yeah, I mentioned that in an article a couple of days ago with the guys they have out. You could have Robert Thomas centering Jaden Schwartz and Vladimir Tarasenko, and then you could have a line under that with, uh, let's say, Alexander Steen, uh, Ivan Barbashev, and, and Tyler Bozak, and then a defensive pair with Gunnarsson and Pareko. Uh, but I think they have enough talent. They have enough good players up front that they don't need to be going 140 minutes in between goals. And whether it's 5-on-5, five five, or whether it's star play, sure, it's frustrating. You're playing uh, good teams. Uh, L.A., the past two games, wow, they really impressed me. They are tight defensively, uh, but you got to find a way. The stat I found last night after the games, uh, five on five, the Blues created no rebound attempts and, uh, and had no shots on the rebound. So that just kind of shows that a lot of it's happening from the outside. Jared, the Blues are missing a lot of top-tier talent, but it shouldn't really affect them that much on the power play. Going 0 for 4 with six shots again last night. What do you think the disconnect is there? Yeah, it's 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 really really tough to put a finger on. It is, and and I think that uh, you know you the, the biggest part is you go into the season and you look at that personnel, and you're right, Michelle. I mean, that's an all-star personnel. The guys that are banged up and on the injury list, aside from Jaden Schwartz, you know, really aren't power play. Uh, type players and you'd have you have to go through so many different looks with the personnel you know they're bouncing back and forth between the the two units just trying to find any chemistry and they're not to me if you had to say one thing about the power play and why it's not working it's just that there's not enough shots there's not enough traffic it's a lot of perimeter passing same as the five and you know i think they're looking for a perfect shot when when you know it's just not happening for them so they've got to get the puck on net and try to get, like we always talk about, those greasy goals. Cliché, but that's uh, what they're not doing. When are you hearing some of these guys may come back, JR? Is there a timetable on anybody to be back fairly soon? Well, Craig Burby said, Dan, after the game last night, that he thinks there's a chance they could get a couple guys back uh, on the road trip. Now, it's a long road trip, so you don't know if that means the start of it or the end of it, but what I'm hearing about some of these players you know, Colton Preco, they've got him shut down for a little bit with that back injury that we reported the other day. You know, could he pop up on the road trip? You know, I suppose, but I don't know if that defeats the purpose, you know, sitting them a week and, and then bringing them back and, and then the problem still persists persist, uh, with the back. Jaden Schwartz was a guy I thought was going to come back uh, sooner than later, but hearing that his injury might be pretty uh, detailed too and, and, and hold him out. So I don't expect him to be a guy who's back soon, but perhaps uh, – Something has, has changed with that. So uh, I don't know that they're going to get a ton of help. Tyler Bozek is another one. Skated for a couple days in a row, but didn't skate. It didn't. It sounded like you know he wasn't feeling well. So uh, I don't know that there's a lot of help on the way. JR, one thing, and you and I have uh, used this stat over the years, how remarkable it is when Jaden Schwartz is in the lineup. And this year, I, I did the math earlier. i got to find it. But they're 2-4 they're and four without him, 8-4 and four ba- with him, basically. Uh, the Stanley Cup year, last time they played a full year, 42-20-7 with Schwartz in the lineup, 3-8-2 without Schwartz in the lineup. It, it is and it's hard to understand why, but it is kind of remarkable that his presence has such a big impact on the Blues winning or losing hockey it, it, it really is. And, uh, you know, he, he's he scored some goals in that playoff run, and he's had 25-goal seasons. But for the most part, he's not a guy that 
carries you offensively. So when you look at the numbers, you say, why does this guy, you know, control the way you play so well, uh, you know, when he's not a huge numbers guy. And it's just because he's the engine, he's the driving force. He's the guy who's back checking, you know, it's a little bit contagious. Uh, He's working hard. Everybody else is, is working hard. And then also, you know, you know, there's a reverse of a trickle down effect. Uh, You got a situation where guys have to play up the lineup to compensate for Schwartz not being up there. And then, therefore, you have some uh, younger, inexperienced guys in those bottom lines. So, to me, you know, I realize Colton Pareko is a big, big part of this team, but he wasn't playing well because of his injury. Walking out of the uh, Enterprise Center last night, just talking to some people, the guy they miss the most is Jaden Schwartz. Jared, the team won five and one in their last seven at home. I know Enterprise Center, while there are fans there, it's certainly not the same home environment. So, how much weight should we put in the Blues' recent struggles at home? Yeah, it's it's another one. Gosh, every every single one of these questions, you know, just to put a finger on it, uh, one five and one, as you mentioned in the last uh, seven. Uh, you know, we, I asked Robert Bortuzzo that question the other day, and you kind of hear some of the same answers about the, the focus and that many many there. Uh, but I think it's just a situation where they're playing good teams, whether it be home or road. And they're getting behind. And, and so when you're giving up that first goal, whether it's, you know, Billy Huso had his issues or, you know, even uh, recently when Huso hasn't been playing, uh, you're making mistakes. Some of your veterans, whether it be uh, Vince Dunn, Sanford had a turnover the other night. Last night you got uh, two goals scored with the same five guys on the ice. You're talking uh, O'Reilly and Blay and Falk and Krug and, and uh, Perron. And, and so, these aren't the third and fourth lines and the third defensive pairs that are making these mistakes. So you're finding yourself behind one nothing. Then you get a power play. You can't score. Now the other team goes up two nothing, and now you're really chasing. And so to me, whether it be home or road, the the real issue is they're they're playing catch up hockey, and it's just not a recipe. So uh, they are, I believe, going to play twelve out of the fourteen next 14 on the road so uh, maybe that'll help them what are you hearing about uh, this weekend in san jose and dealing with COVID issues and any adjustments that could be made to the schedule potentially if that happens yeah waiting to uh, to hear and and for those who haven't heard uh the san jose game tonight they're supposed to host vegas that has been uh, postponed and so the blues are there on uh, saturday and so there's a chance that perhaps that game doesn't happen uh, looking at san jose's COVID list uh, they had a guy on, on the protocol uh, a couple of days ago, and then now Thomas Hurdle's been added to it, so they've got some some issues there. But no game, no real, you know, concrete information here at the moment. That kind of stuff uh, will develop over the rest of today, and and maybe even some, tomorrow. But the Blues are scheduled to leave for San Jose tomorrow. Uh, the last I heard, so we'll see and play that one by ear. Yeah, that's what I was asking. Would they adjust on the fly like they did with Arizona? Do you see that happening potentially? Yeah, how about another game against Arizona? Just yeah, at Arizona. Might as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they would definitely have to adjust, cancel that trip. It's just one game in San Jose, so so wouldn't go there. But would likely still head out uh, west because uh, they have uh, some other games out there on this road trip. So just uh, that's how it's been all season, and, and that's uh, the way they have to look at it. Finally, Jr. The Blues are still in terms of points second in their division, although they're sixth in winning percentage. You mentioned how impressed you are with the Kings. The Coyotes have handled the Blues pretty well. Should fans be concerned about the Blues' viability as a playoff team? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I don't know what's going on with these injuries and how long-term they are going to be. I mean, it's a little bit too early to be, you know, uh, knocking the Blues out of the playoff. I think with what we've seen here lately, and, you know, it's it's a rut. It's it's a big rut. And when if you do get some guys back, then perhaps you can pull yourself out of it. But, Look, uh, this, this, these power play problems predate the injuries. 
that's been an issue. Uh, you know, do you have a backup goaltender who can win you some games down the stretch? I think that still remains an issue. So to me, I still like the Blues as a team, and I think you know when we see the real Blues, uh, I think they can be in that top three, Randy. But with what they've been going through, uh, and with us not knowing when some of these key guys are going to come back, uh, Pareko, Schwartz, uh, I do think that uh, you look at this now and then you start to wonder. JR, as always, great stuff. Thanks so much for the time. We recommend people get their subscription to The Athletic to read your great work there, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. See you later. Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. He, he hit on the point that I, I talked about earlier, and he mentioned those stats, but they have got to get traffic in front. Everything's from the perimeter, and you just can't win that way. I, I know it's cliche when you say scoring ugly and getting in front and done in front and that kind of thing, but look at what they're doing. Everything is on the outside. Everything's on the perimeter. Danny, you have to get to the greasy areas, eh? Got to get them. <laughs> Got to get there, baby. That's how you do it. Next up, how does Matthew Libertor motivate himself? Does Randy Rosarena motivate him? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> It's 9.02 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, and it's time for today's big thing in kids yesterday. Cardinal left-hander Matthew Libertor spoke to the media via Zoom, and I asked him before he headed out to play golf whether or not he watched the Rays in the postseason and whether or not he was impressed by what he saw from Randy Rosarena. I watched a lot of the postseason, and I did watch Rosarena. You know, obviously coming from the race, too, I wanted to see how they performed uh, in the postseason again. I don't really feel like I ever it ever crossed my mind, like, oh, that's the guy I got traded for. I have expectations now that I have to live up to. At the end of the day, like, my competition is myself. So, you know, I wish him all the best. I want to see him go out there and have success. And when it comes to what I need to take care of, I'm looking in the mirror every day and competing against that guy. So... I don't feel like there's any added pressure on me or added expectations because of the way that he performed. And at the end of the day, I'm happy that he did what he did in the postseason. So there's no grudges there or anything like that. That's the right answer. His competition is going to be himself. And if he goes out there and performs to his capabilities, people are going to look back on that trade in a completely different light. But it is human nature for us as observers and fans to react to the immediacy of the trade. And what Randy Rosarena did in the postseason was unbelievable. Turned into Babe Ruth. So, you know, <laughs> I, I think I would hope that someone pulled him aside and said, look, you, you be you. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about who you were traded for. We understand that, yes, the guy had a remarkable postseason. And, hey, he may turn out to be a remarkable player, but we believe in you. We think you're going to be a remarkable pitcher. So uh, it was a great question to ask because I've often wondered it, too. Does he feel added pressure going into this thing because you've been traded for a guy that was sensational in the postseason? One of the great postseason runs in the history of the game, but you can't hold that against him. You, You be you and go do you. And another thing that I wondered with Libertor without having a minor league season last year and spending that time at the Cardinals alternate cap camp in Springfield, did it get him any closer to the majors? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I got to go up to uh, Bush when Yachty and Paul DeYoung were coming back from being on the aisle for COVID and I got to face them for, you know, five, six at bats that day. And then with all the guys coming back and forth between big league camp and the taxi squad and all that kind of stuff. I got to face a lot of guys that I probably wouldn't have gotten to face throughout a regular season. 
And because of that, I also got a lot of feedback that I wouldn't have gotten facing, you know, guys on another team, you know, to go talk to them after the ABs and in the alternate site, you know, I could face a guy and he gets a hit off me and I get, I go straight up to him and say, Hey, what'd you see? Why'd you swing at that? You know, what happened? And I feel like that was extremely beneficial and something that certainly wouldn't have happened given different circumstances. Another part that he got to experience and all the pitchers that went to the satellite camp in Springfield had uh, this experience. And I talked to him probably a month ago about this, Matthew Liberator specifically. Um, he said all those things about facing very good hitters and getting immediate feedback from those guys. But he also mentioned that they had it set up to where they could look at their analytics on the on the video board. So mm. if there was something that wasn't working, um, you know, it could be spin rate on whatever pitch he, he was throwing or if the, it, a ball didn't break quite as well as he wanted it to and somebody got a hit off him or he was hit hard, he could immediately look up at the video board. They had it there for them to look back, take it in, and he understands analytics coming through a very good program of what he played baseball, not, uh, you know, obviously what prior to being a professional, but high end program, they were doing these kind of things. And um, and he said that was incredible just to get like the immediate feedback when you're on a mound facing these guys and to look at a board and say, well, maybe that's why that guy got a, a hit off me. That's something I need to do better on this next pitch or next at bat against him. So those kind of things. I think it's going to be interesting. Some of the stories that come out of it, for instance, Nolan Gorman was facing some of the Cardinals top lefties, including Libertor and Thompson. And if you think about how his career is going to go, what's going to happen in late inning situations when he comes up in the major leagues, the opposing team's going to bring in a lefty. Yep. So he's facing good left-handed pitching. So as uh, disappointing as it was not to have a minor league season, some of these guys made the best of it and that's what he's doing. So what ultimately did Libertor take out of the time in Springfield? Development and instruction that we got at the alternate site in Springfield last year was invaluable and instrumental in everybody's development. I feel like we kind of got the opportunity to see what it was like to have to pitch in a 162-game season in the sense of, you know, in a regular season, you're going to face guys eight, nine, ten times throughout the course of the year. And we kind of got to experience that a little bit, facing the same guys every single day or every single five days when we would start. Um, and so I had to learn how to make those adjustments and change up my sequence location and all that kind of stuff. I couldn't just go out there and say, like, standard lefty, I'm going to throw him a curveball, you know, because he saw the past three at bats. So I feel like it was a really good opportunity to kind of get a feel for what it's like facing guys that many times throughout a season, which is something that I haven't done yet. So I really enjoyed it. I think that's really fascinating because at this time last year, we were wondering what the absence of a regular minor league season would do to the development of these young players. So to hear Matt Libertor say it was actually beneficial in a lot of ways and that he got invaluable experience from this, I think is really positive. Interesting. And he's a very cerebral, yeah, cerebral kid. Yeah, he's he's great. And it is true. I mean, you think about if you last a long time and you play for the Cardinals or whatever team and you're in that division, you're going to face these guys 18 times a year. So your spot may come up three or four times against that team. And it's always about the adjustment to the next pitch, to the next game. And so that's interesting. I don't know if, I guess, like he said, in a sense, you're going to face a lot of guys repeatedly. So you have to make the adjustment. 162 games and not having a minor league season, it's going to be tough for some of these guys. And I talked to Gary LaRock about that, who does the, the Cardinal minor leagues. He said they're going to be really careful with their pitchers. They, you know, you may see a piggyback or a six-man rotation down there or some semblance of both. 
to where they really are careful with the innings, and they're going to be very careful with him. There's no doubt. Meanwhile, breaking news this morning, no surprise. I'm shocked news. at this one. Mike Schilt announcing on his Zoom with media this morning that Jack Flaherty will start the Cardinals opener on April 1st in Cincinnati. Cincinnati, by the way, does a pretty neat opening day. I'm assuming they're not going to be able to do it this year, but they do like a whole parade of cars through downtown. We do a neat opening day, as we know, here in St. Louis. They do a cool opening day. We've been there for opening day. Um, But, yeah, no no surprise to see Jack get that start. And I I would think, Dan and Michelle, that when they're starting the opener, then you could have Wainwright start the second game. And then Wayno would be available on regular rest to start the Cardinals' home opener against Milwaukee on April 8th in what presumably would be his last season. No, I don't know, though, if you want to do that. I need to look at the schedule. I want Wayno, if I can manipulate his starts, I want him at home as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And I, I would look maybe KK being a number two with all the left-handed batters that they have in that lineup. Yep. That's Good something thought. to think about. Um, and then maybe you know, a Martinez or something in game three. I, I'm just looking at who are the lefties in that lineup. So I got to maximize KK. What off days do I have? And if I can get Wayno at home, cause he's been so good at home. That's where I want him to go. Yeah. Then you could have Wainwright start. If he would start game four for you, which would be against the Marlin, the fifth, you'd have four days off. He could start against the Brewers on Saturday, the 10th. Actually, you know what? The, you could just start him on regular rest. If he would start game two, bring him back on extended rest against the Brewers still at home. Either way, he's going to have to start one of those road games. Right. And then you get him two starts during the homestand. I think it's going to be interesting, too, as much as you have to play the Marlins and you're going to get them right out of the gate in regular season play. I think you want to make sure that any starter you have or at least some of the pitchers that you have, you don't want them to face the Marlins in spring training. Good point. Oh, yeah. You know, you've got them in the second um, road trip or the second series of the road trip. I think you got to be careful about that, too. And then you have the Nationals on your first homestand. That's the other part. If you can try to avoid that, you do. That's something to think about when you uh, watch this stuff. So Jack Flaherty gets the honor of starting at Cincinnati. I I wonder if just to honor Wayno, they might. Given the opening day. Yeah, given that opening, the home opener. Yeah, I could see that. And I know that it's a reduced home opener. It's not going to be the same pomp and circumstance as we're used to. So I wonder if that carries any weight. Even even though it is potentially his last one and it is going to be a Cardinal home opener with fans in the stands, I do wonder if they're looking more at the way that this lines up from a pitching perspective rather than saying this so. is very important for him yeah. to have this moment. I, I would think so. I think we make a lot out of it, and I – I, I get it, you know, we, the opening day starter and then the home opener starter. But I think you're right, Michelle. It, 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 the bottom line is how are we going to win? You yeah. know, because once those three hours are over, it's done. Right. So put yourself in a best the best position to win. No doubt. Speaking of winning. And that, by the way, is today's big thing here on 101 ESPN. Speaking of winning, how many are the Cardinals going to win? We're going to tell you what Vegas thinks next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. The folks at BetMGM, MGM Grand Hotel, have released their win totals for Major League teams for 2021. And we'll start, Michelle and Dan, with the Cardinals. MGM bet has the Cardinals on top of the National League Central with an expected 86 and a half wins. I think that's a really good number 
for this team at this point. I think that's absolutely fair. And would you say it's a six-game swing a lot of times yeah. above or below? So yeah. to start at 86.5, I think, is very fair. I, it's going to be really interesting about what teams do at the trade deadline, namely the Cubs. Mm-hmm. So that could be a situation where that shifts some of the win totals for a lot of teams, obviously the Cubs, but for others inside the division that play them, you know, you might be able to rack up some wins. I think a lot of it, too, is going to be dependent on what teams do against Pittsburgh. Right. Pittsburgh is terrible. They, that's a bad team. They're projected, and a half. Yeah, yeah, projected to win the fewest games in Major League Baseball. What is it? 58 and a half is their number. I, I would say I might even take the under on that. It's bad. Yeah. I mean, they, they got rid of Musgrove. You look at um, Williams is now pitching for the Chicago Josh Cubs. Bell. Josh Bell is gone. Now, they do have a – I love their third baseman, but – Outside of that, there's not a lot of reasons to go to the ballpark if you're a Pirates fan. Jeff Hartley, friend of the show. There you go. That's right. Got to take all the Lindenwood guys. Yeah, that's a good point. So maybe I'd go to the ballpark with him. him. Yeah, no doubt about it. But that would be about it. The way the rest of the National League Central (laughs) shakes out with the Cardinals at 86.5 is their over-under. Brewers at 83.5. Reds at 81.5. And the Cubs at 78.5. I find this more in line with my thinking than the Pocota projections. I thought the Cubs was the interesting one out of the group because... I think most of us looked at Pakoda and didn't agree with what their assessment was. But the Cubs are going to be a really interesting case study because they do have a lot of talent, as you mentioned, Dan. Earlier their lineup's the really good. If they can get some pitching together, they, they could be um, formidable within the division. I just wonder from a mental standpoint, if you are someone like Chris Bryant, are you going out there with a chip on your shoulder or are you going out there and even if you're not saying it publicly, having a little bit of a defeatist attitude thinking, I'm going to get moved anyway, so I, I need to personal myself in a lot of ways. I think that's going to be David Ross's biggest challenge this year is the mental aspect of this group. To your point, I think when you have that many guys that are free agents to be and the talk has been, will they keep these guys? A lot of times, and it's not for the betterment of the team, but you're a player and you're saying, I'm I'm going to get mine, Mm -hmm. and I'm playing for me. And the team aspect of moving runners over or simple things like that, it's not done. Well, you don't see a lot being done anyway. But my point is, you got a lot of guys with a lot of things on their mind outside of just, hey, I'm financially set and... I have a long-term deal, so I, I can, I'm can. i settled. I'm in here. There's a lot of players that aren't, and that will be his biggest challenge in my mind. All those guys that are free agents to be, having them come together as a team. Uh, Michelle, you'll be too young to remember this. Do you remember the 1990 Cardinals, the team that Whitey left from? Yeah. And that was... It was in San Diego. He left. Yep. Coleman, McGee, Pendleton, Ken Daly. Yep. You had all these pending free agents. And they all knew they weren't going to be back. And that's exactly what happened. And this is a team that in an era where they did move runners over and they were trying to do little things to win. But that team had no interest in doing those little things. Now, I think if you have one or two of those guys, it's okay because what's the great motivator? I'm a free free agent. Mm -hmm. I want to put up a great year. And I, I, not to say that guys take years off in year two or three of a long-term deal. I'm not saying that, but there is just the human element of being in your final year. I don't care what sport you're talking about. You're highly motivated to get the next deal. But when you have all those guys together, that is hard. And that's going to be tough to keep that together. So that might be one of the reasons that the Cubs are listed at 78 and a half wins. Dodgers, most wins in Major League Baseball, according to BetMGM. They've got them at 101 and a half. And for all the things the Padres have done, the Padres are at 94 and a half wins, which is not bad. That's the second most wins in the National League, but still seven behind the Dodgers. 
Might make sense, though. Head-to-head, who do you like, San Diego or or the Dodgers LA. in those games? Yeah, good point. You know what I mean? So that's maybe the swing on what they're saying. They're, they're going to beat up on a lot of other teams. Both those guys are. Both those teams, Padres and Dodgers. But together, the head-to-head, the 18 matchups, uh, that's your maybe your division in, in the West. Well, and that's beating up on each other and then beating up on the rest of the division. Diamondback, 75-and-a-half. Mm-hmm. Giants, 75-and-a-half. Rockies, 63-and-a-half. Rockies may be below 63, too. Wow. Yeah. That's, I, I, that's going to be tough to deal with. Everybody's asking you about go spring spring training. And then the other question right there with it, maybe even above that question, is what are you going to do with Trevor Story? So what happens when they trade Trevor Story where his value is high right now because you can get him for a full year as opposed to doing it at the deadline? Mm-hmm. I, I don't see him staying in, in no Denver. Chance. No, no chance. And imagine if you're him. You lose a great teammate in Nolan Arenado. You are kind of in purgatory. You're going to be Absolutely. on a, a team that's not very good. From everything that we're reading coming out of Colorado, it seems like there's a disconnect between ownership and the front office and, and the players and the team, and you're just waiting. You're just waiting to move. And just the mood of, of you report to camp and your franchise player is not there. And it kind of went in an ugly way. Yeah, very from, publicly said he didn't want to be there. <laughs> from the yeah, from their perspective of if you're a Rocky fan or you you're involved with that, and that sometimes it just leaves that sour taste, and you get off to a rough start, and it snowballs, and that that could happen there. I haven't heard anybody talk about Charlie Blackman. I wonder how he feels. Yeah, I, he was one of the guys too that they talked about with Arenado, Story, Blackman. Those are you got a pretty good three right there. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they've invested in young pitching. They do have some young pitching. Um, but in terms of, you know, and David Dahl, when he first came up, was thought to be a very good player and a cornerstone, maybe player that is not at that level, but man, what a piece. Now those guys are gone. Um, it makes it very tough when you report to camp and you're asked about it every day. And Trevor's story is going to be everywhere they go. It's going to be the talk of, if you're doing the game and you're broadcasting the game, not necessarily the Rockies, but the other teams, sure. he comes up. We're saying, well, when's that domino going to going to fall? It's just that's where it is. Meanwhile, I have a tough time picking the NL East. Bet MGM has the Braves at 91 and a half wins, the Mets at 90 and a half, Nationals at 84 and a half, and the Phillies. And obviously, they still might sign Jake Odorizzi. I still don't think the Phillies are a team that can win that division, but. If the Braves or Mets or Nationals win it, I won't be surprised. I think it's the most competitive division, mm-hmm. potentially, going into this season. Um, I could make a case for all of them. And no one's talking about the Marlins. That's right. Marlins yeah, went to I mean, postseason play yeah. last year. Beat the Cubs. Yeah, and they've got good young pitcher mm-hmm. uh, pitching. And so the thing about the Nationals that's interesting is that if they can get Scherzer's in a walk year and if they have Strasburg back healthy, that's 60 starts now between those two guys, potentially. That's that's big. And then add in Corbin. And I was going to say, there's Corbin. They went out and got a closer. You have a great hitter and player in Juan Soto, one of the best in baseball, top two or three. Um, they could bounce back. Do you dismiss the addition of John Lester as not a big deal? He was. He, you know, he was kind of five and fly with mm-hmm. the, the Cubs there at the end. I, I think it's a nice piece. You know, for what they paid for him, was it $5 million, mm-hmm. I think, is what he got. But he's not what he wants. Still, mm-hmm. But still, you put him with a good team, anything can happen. If you're with a bad team, it looks bad. But he's he's been there, done it. So, yeah, it could That's be a good piece. The big thing for me is a guy that if you make it to the postseason, and granted, all of those guys now have been world champions, 
but he he would be a nice piece to have. And so is Brad Hand, adding him as yes. your closer. He's a really good relief pitcher. Think about what the Nationals had to go through this last year. They they got off to a terrible start. They weren't very good. Uh, Osberg was Strasburg was shut down. Scherzer had a down year for the first time in a down year by his standards. First time in a long time. They didn't have the cer- celebration for the rings. Yeah. Oh yeah. They had a virtual celebration for that. They didn't get to raise their banner in front of their fans. That stinks. Yeah, it does. That's what you you know that we've seen it here in St. Louis. I mean that that following year, you're so oh. fired up as a fan base to experience that and to enjoy it, and they didn't have any of that, which it's disappointing. I think about that with the Blues. How yeah. lucky we were Absolutely. that we got in right under that deadline for when the world changed and what it would have been like if the Blues finally won the Stanley Cup right. and we didn't get to have the parade or celebrate the way that we wanted. I think to. about it too. You look at that Nationals lineup and. Soto is back, maybe the certainly the best left-handed hitter in baseball right now. Robles, Schwarber, with Trey Turner, who's a star at shortstop. Keyboom is going to play third. They need him to get going. Starlin Castro, Josh Bell, and then uh, Gomes behind the plate with Alex Avila backing him up. Not bad. If you have a bounce-back year from Josh Bell, who was terrible last year and really hasn't been good since the first half of 2019, if you get him back to where he was... Then you got a chance. Yeah. I mean, put him in the middle of that lineup with Schwarber. If Schwarber has a full year, he's going to hit you 25, 30 home At runs. Least. Right. You got Soto. You got Traper. It's a pretty good mm-hmm. team. And quickly, the American League A's and Astros both projected at 87.5 in the American League West. Yankees by a wide margin, 95.5 wins in the AL East. And Tony LaRusso's White Sox picked to have, have the most wins in the AL Central at 90.5. And, and I, I might go I over think, on that. I was going to say that's low for me. Yeah, Although you, the Central's really good. But Tony is so good at preparing teams to beat up on lesser teams. And I know the Royals have upgraded significantly, but they aren't going to be in the White Sox class. Tigers are going to be a team to beat up on. And I think with Lindor gone and Clevenger gone for the whole year and the rest of the people that Cleveland has lost. Minnesota's pretty good. Yeah, I think those are the only two teams that I really have a ton of respect for in that division. Yeah, and then you were talking about the uh, the, the West. Um, I kind of I don't like saying it. I like Houston. I like them. I do. I, I don't like they're cheating, but I like them. Yeah, the thing is, when you lose in back-to-back years, you're going to lose both Garrett Cole and Verlander. You don't have the pitching that you had before. And again, like I said, with Philly, I think the Angels can easily move into contention here if they added Jake Odorizzi. Got to have pitching. Don't have pitching. By the way, Carlos Correa, free agent to be mm-hmm. yeah. for Houston. Highly right. motivated. Yeah. And the A's are always good. The A's just find a way. And Altuve's got to bounce back down yeah. here. I mean, he was one of those guys last year that we looked at these big-name players and said, what happened? Like, what went on here? And he's one of those guys. Altuve had a very bad year last year. What do you think happened? No trash cans. Well, no buzzers, maybe a little buzzers, know? trash cans, no fans, you know. No fans for them was a good thing. I, yeah. I still feel slighted that they didn't have to take the shame tour. <laughs> well, I was looking forward to that. B, BK asked me, he said, I'd take the Cardinals out of the equation. What's the series that you would really, like, stop and watch and can't wait for? And I said, the Yankees hosting the Astros. Oh, yeah. With fans. Yeah. Good call. That could be interesting. be awesome. Yeah. So those are your over-unders. You can see them at The Athletic via BetMGM. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, it's time for... You're killing me, Smalls. Brandy, we need, we need an update from you. Okay. We've been on this quest uh, 
somewhat successful quest. Not as successful as we would have liked it to be initially, but we need to get you more Instagram followers and your dog. We've been talking about this for about a week now, and she's still in the lead. Yeah, I am making slow but sure progress in climbing this mountain. Uh, Golden Darby Shaw has 2,407 followers. And by the way, she had more than like 500 more than me just a few days ago, like 560. I have 2013. I have eclipsed the 2,000 follower mark on the Insta. So at RJ Carriker, she has 394 more followers than I do. And I'm just trying to catch my dog. I'm not trying to catch like... uh Paige Spearneck or anything. I'm not. I don't want right. 3.7 million followers or whatever. You're not trying to be Kylie Jenner over here. No, exactly. If I if I can get to 2408, I'll be happy. <laughs> your dog's trying to catch your tail, and you're trying to catch her on Instagram followers. Right. That's not yeah. correct. So we need that. Go to go to the Instagram, and I even put food on Instagram last night. He's playing all the that. hits. He's yeah. playing all the hits. By Come the way, on, did guys. it look delicious? It really what? looked it, good. It, it, it was a nice pasta chicken. Yeah, chicken yeah, look, Italiano. Yeah, it, it looks great. It looked great. See, Dan, Randy's just showing that he's a versatile guy. You know, <laughs> he you, is. You get sports information from Randy here. On some days, you get life advice. But if you really want to know what he's up to, if you want a photo of a delicious chicken Italian, Follow Randy on Instagram. I go. thought it was an embarrassment for you. It really was. You, I'm, I'm you working. Are, I'm trying to do this. You Dan. are going so far to get these followers that I you're am. posting food. Yeah, even the manager <laughs> it's of embarrassing. Even even the manager of Golden Derby Shaw's account said she's not going to engage. No. 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 But follow Randy anyway at RJ Character. Yes, you can please. follow Dan at Scoops with Danny Mac. That's correct. Thank you. Follow Thank you. Dan. You can follow me at M Smallman. But really, just please. Follow Randy. And I just got a follower. Thank you. Uh, here we go. You're killing me, Smalls. I want to get your guys' take on this. Vlad Guerrero Jr., he, he played first base last year. He weighed about 250 pounds. He's determined to move to third base. He was thinking maybe if I drop some LBs, it'll allow me to play that position more effectively. He dropped 40 pounds this offseason so that he could move back to third base. And now that guys are in spring training and you're getting a look at them, you can really see the difference. And I was curious to get your take on that because while it makes sense that he would want to lose the weight so he could move, he would have more mobility. We've seen it before. When when big guys lose weight, it doesn't always work out for them. No, sometimes fat is good. Now, he wasn't great last year, but yeah, there, especially with pitchers, I think fat is... Lance Lynn. Yeah. Yes. I'm not saying that he was fat. I'm just saying that he was husky. When he got svelte, <laughs> yes. he just wasn't the same pitcher. He was husky, big boned. Yeah. And uh, then when he put the weight back on, velocity was a little bit better, I think. I, I give Vladimir Guerrero Jr. all the credit in the world. I mean, 42 pounds is a lot of weight, mm-hmm. and he's taking his job seriously and saying, hey, if I'm going to last in this league, my body needs to be able to withstand 10 or 15 years, and you lose 40, 50 pounds, you're yeah. going to be better. Would it be better for him to lose the 40 or 50 pounds or just go to a clinic with Panda? Well, Panda had worked out. He's got three mm-hmm. rings. Yeah. The Panda worked out. He could hit from both sides of the plate. Panda could flat out hit. He could. He could hit. Great. So I kind of liked seeing the Panda being to Panda. Eat. Yeah, I kind of like that. So, I, I liked it. I feel like to eat. You, uh, hey, I, I'm, I'm a Panda fan, a huge Panda, panda fan. Panda Panda. Not as... Not as yeah, there you go. Good job. <laughs> Not as huge as he is, but I was a huge panda fan. Remember Levon Hernandez? Oh yeah. So Levon, when he defected, um, he talked about the fact that he couldn't believe you could go to like McDonald's and go get food. Uh-huh. I mean, food was readily available uh-huh. for him, and it never was like that. And he had a lot of money now, and he went and enjoyed it. So 
Hey, I'm all right with it. You put up numbers, baby. You carry the weight any way you want. Just so, put up the numbers. Back in the day, there was a gentleman by the name of Marv Marinovich who divorced his wife and married a dancer so that he could develop a football player. He he bred a football player One named Todd. Todd. He never allowed Todd to have McDonald's as a kid. He fed him now, vegetables and stuff like that. I have heard, though, that, that yes, that's what he wanted. He was building a quarterback machine. Right. And to Throwing credit, mechanics, yeah. all the stuff, the nutrition. Stuff. But apparently he did have some McDonald's growing up. I'm he, just saying. Once he got to USC, he had a lot of McDonald's. Well, he had a, he had the munchies. It's true. Mm. That, he got the munchies. So that happened at USC also. That's California right. California dreaming, huh? Who did wind up making it to the NFL, by the way. Played for the Raiders, played for Art Shell. Yep. He actually uh, played in a playoff game against the Buffalo Bills, I, mm-hmm. uh, if, if memory serves correct. Right. And then Marv, uh, with the dancer, they had another kid that essentially that they were breeding uh, named Mikhail and it was a Russian dancer that he married hmm. and he would have this uh, kid like a two years old jogging five miles a day. Well he did put him in talking about Todd he put him through the machine of trying to be, yeah. to, to make him into this uber quarterback yeah. and remember he had all kinds of issues with Larry Smith Larry Smith was yeah. the head coach at USC eventually would move to Mizzou but they had all kinds of problems it was not good. No. It's like Tiger Woods when you watch a documentary. Earl so what Woods I talk about. From, from the very beginning had yes. that club in his hand. Repetition, repetition. How we got here, I don't know. I, we started talking about losing weight. <laughs> yes. Uh, somebody brought up Bartolo Colon. Big sexy. Oh, yeah, there, there you, go. you go. You're killing me, Smalls. Well, maybe Vlad Guerrero Jr. just needs to do the TB12 method because that seems to be working for Tom Brady. And Buccaneers GM Jason Light was on with Rich Eisen yesterday and said that signing Tom Brady to another extension is a possibility. Here's the quote. Bruce and I, meaning Bruce Arians, both have a great relationship with Tom and I have a good relationship with his agent. We thought Tom played incredibly well this year along with the entire team. We would love Tom to have him play here. I can speak for Bruce. I think as long as he continues to want want to play if that comes to fruition at some point we'd be elated but i'd like to keep those conversations private right now now let me ask you this doesn't that so if they extend him which it sounds like they will then that reduces the cap hit next year they can do that yes okay all right follow the money and keep both godwin and barrett is what you're saying i'm saying Yes. So do you think, take it or leave it, guys, that we will see Tom Brady playing beyond age 45 like he said that would always so that's be the two end. more years yep no question because I thought really? the, the key there was, and whether he me- means this or not, was as however long he wants to play. Mm-hmm. Because that's always the trick here with yeah. superstar athletes. They're going to want to play as long as possible. So, uh, I'm not going to go beyond. I'll say he plays two more years. Do you have any stats in front of you, Randy, of how many times he was hit this year? I, I can find those very yeah. quickly. That If you told me how many times he's going to be hit, which you can't, but if you could, that will dictate how long he plays. I, I give him so much credit for reading defense is so fast and making the decision get rid of the ball that he just doesn't get hit as much he's able to avoid big hits if he gets hit a lot then adios he was um sacked only 21 times wow so that's i, I don't have total hits but wouldn't you agree though i mean yeah. if you're if you're getting hit if you could preserve him yeah right then you could he could play he could chuck it yeah i go with that 
You're killing me, Small. Jer Guys, Jerry West has been the logo for the NBA since 1969, over five decades. Now, technically, Michelle, they say that it's not actually Jerry West, sure. but if you look at the logo, it sure looks like Jerry West. Sure. Okay. Sure. Just had to get you there. Well, Kyrie Irving thinks that it needs a little bit of a, a freshening up. He put a post on Instagram suggesting that Kobe Bryant should be the new logo for the NBA. Jerry West actually said back in 2015 that he would advocate for a logo change. So I wonder if that's something that might get a little bit of momentum swelling underneath it because the NBA is going to want to memorialize Kobe in, in some way. And how many of these guys now and in the future grew up watching Kobe, idolizing Kobe, and never really got to see or experience Jerry West? So I don't know. I don't think it's a bad idea. So we should just completely throw history out the window <laughs> is what you're saying, right? Yeah, basically. I don't know. I, I kind of like just the generic logo. Make it a different logo. I don't know if you want to go with an individual. I don't know why we would just, uh, why, why have the Bill Russell Award? Why not make that the Kobe Bryant Award? You could. And soon enough, we're, we, MJ. Uh, we'll be forgotten. Um, no. So we're, we're going to name stuff after Kobe, but we're not going to name stuff after Jordan? Exactly. That's my point. Yeah, something should be named after Jordan. Absolutely. Well, half so. the league wears at least his stuff, <laughs> so true. maybe he's got enough exposure. He's doing all right. He's, he's doing fine. He's getting uh, immortalized right. in a lot of ways, exactly. that's for sure. I think they need to change the name of uh, that Smith Court and, and Rupp Arena. Get rid of those names. Actually, they do want to change the name of Rupp Arena. Yes, they do. But uh, yeah, get rid of the Naismith Court. It didn't work for the Lori family. No. Page Arena did not work. Uh, did not. So had to go Mizzou Arena. Yeah. <laughs> had to go Mizzou Arena. <laughs> Just saying. I I totally get it. Yeah. yeah. There were some issues there, and they mm -hmm. changed it back very yeah. simply. If she would have just gone to Mizzou, there would have been no issues whatsoever. Maybe so. I wonder what she's up to. I don't know. How about Quinn Snyder, by the way, being the coach of the NBA's Western Conference All-Star team? He was fired by Mizzou in 2006, and now here we are in 2021, and he's going to coach the NBA Western Conference All-Stars. He's pretty good. Seriously, as yeah. a coach, he's pretty good. It just got out of it spiraled out of control down in Mizzou, you know, with a lot of different things. You look back to when they hired him, he was the guy. And that first recruiting class, first couple that he had were tremendous. Mm -hmm. They were really good players that they had there. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that he's gotten better on the X's and O's no. for sure. And a lot of connectivity among his players. A lot of connectivity. That was a favorite word of Quinn's. Yep. Thanks, Michelle. You got it, Randy. Coming up, we're going to cross things over as we head towards the Dan McLaughlin Show with Brandon Kylie on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Pretty soon, Brandon Kylie will walk through this studio door, and Dan McLaughlin and Brandon Kylie will take you through the 10 o'clock hour until 11 o'clock as we talk more Cardinal baseball here on 101 ESPN. Yeah, a lot of Cardinal baseball coming up for fans that uh, just tuning into the show. Mike Schilt said this morning that uh, indeed it will be Jack Flaherty, the opening day starter for the Cardinals on April 1st in Cincinnati. And also, he will start this Sunday, the first grapefruit league game of um, spring training, and that'll be against the Washington Nationals. So we'll see Jack Flaherty on Sunday. And he wants to go 200 innings. I wonder how he gets there. If he makes 30 starts and averages six per start, of 60, that'll get him to 180. 
So he can get pretty close to 200 innings. I Yeah, I think 180 is going to be a lot of where top guys go. There, even last year or two years ago in a normal season, not a lot of guys went 200 innings. So that's something to consider moving forward. And they're going to be so careful with these guys. And certainly Jack was appreciative, I know, of how the Cardinals treated him last year and being very very easy um, with him as they move forward and, and trying to ease him back into the season after the shutdown. There's so much intrigue around a lot of these pitchers. Which guy are you looking forward to seeing the most? I think if I was down there, I'd really want to watch Liberator. I think I want to watch Thompson. In terms of guys that are, that are going to make the team, Michaelis, because I want to see where he's at, right. you know, coming back health-wise. And I'm, I'm intrigued with Carlos Martinez. I would imagine that Carlos is probably ahead of a lot of these guys because of what he did in the winter and to his credit you know comes in played in the caribbean series played winter ball Uh, a lot of guys that have that resume and have a contract like that do not um, play winter ball so Mm -hmm. he did that understanding how big this is for him this season so i I, i'm intrigued to see what he's got i throw alex reyes in that mix too. absolutely yeah i love alex me too i just want to see him be healthy just get through it be healthy have no hiccups, and I'm with you, Michelle. If I could watch him and, and see if, if he's 100%, which by all accounts he is, yeah, he's – what a weapon. Does anyone have more upside potentially on the team than him Man. right now? Maybe Dylan nope. Carlson. But think about Alex Reyes and what we have expected of him throughout the years and if he ever met that potential, what he could be. I would imagine that this year, and to, to think of your point, I, I'm not sure there is a guy with more upside. You know, we've been hearing so much about him for so long – we're all just waiting. We mm-hmm. all want to see it. And and I'm sure he wants to see it. I, I've talked to Mike Maddox about it. He, he When he got to St. Louis, he said, man, all I heard about was this guy, Alex Reyes, mm-hmm. you know, and didn't really have a chance to see him at his best. And last year we saw a little bit of that, a glimpse of that at times. And if he could be consistent from day one, it's a tremendous weapon for the Cardinals. It'll be interesting to see how things play out early in the season. How many opportunities Hicks gets to save games, if Gallegos gets chances, if Reyes is down there. I would think that we might have early on a closer by committee situation because of the limitations, the inherent limitations of Hicks and the the given limitations that they'll have for Reyes. Um, I agree with you. And we were asked yesterday on the show, I guess it was a texter said, um, do we see four guys with the over-under of four different pitchers with five saves. And I, it was like I they put s- it at three and a half, I think it was. I, 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 I could see that. Four is a good number. I, I agree. I, I think eventually Hicks will get there. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it'll be in the onset of the season. They're going to be re- really careful with him. Gallegos is going to get plenty of opportunities. Mm-hmm. I think Andrew Miller could be a guy That's that, the one. that you see that gets some opportunities. You know, you only need five. So over the course of six months, 162 games, he might be the, the guy that gets that chance if they have a bunch of lefties coming up too. Um, Reyes could get multi-inning saves. You know, you, you might see that happen. And you, you might see him just, they go, hey, go get Alex. He's getting in the, the ninth. I think you could see that situation. So I, I could see four guys being at around five saves at least. Be interesting. And... Once you get to the postseason, you do want to have one guy. That, that that'll be Hicks. If everything's right, I think it's it's Hicks by the end of the year. Yeah, we've never seen him wear number up. 12, by the way. He's he's going to be number 12 for the Cardinals this year. It's going to take me back to Aaron Miles, two guys that are very similar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, just when I think Aaron Miles, I think Jordan Hicks yeah, and vice right. versa. Do you guys like low numbers for pitchers? No. 
By the way, did you see that Taiwan Walker gave up double zero with the Mets for Mr. Met? Yes. For Mr. Met? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mr. Met's been around a long time. Yeah. There's some star That's power respect. there. Yeah. You, get, you, can't take, you can't take it from the mascot. No. The Walker went back to 99, which he had worn last year, I think, with Toronto. So uh, they were going to be the first team ever with a zero because Marcus Stroman is wearing zero uh-huh. and a double zero with Walker. But now it's going to be a zero with Marcus Stroman and a double zero with Mr. Matt. Austin Dean, wasn't he zero last He's year? zero again, yep. yep. So Taguchi was 99. Yep. Those are the only two? Oh, no, Kerry Robinson was zero too. And... Omar Oliveira's wore a double zero. That's right. And yep. in his year with the Cardinals, Bobby Bonds wore double zero. That's right. And I forgot about that one. Rick Hummel, he said, if I'm really good, I'll make a double oh seven. Great line. I like that. It's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. Um, Mr. Metz had some interesting encounters with fans, too, over the years. I yes. love Mr. Metz. He's very New York. Very, he, that's the best way to put <laughs> he's it. He's very yeah. New York. He's got that New York streak well, in him. He does. With as close as that ballpark is to LaGuardia, he lets it fly. He does. He does <laughs> let it fly. One time I was, uh, when I was working for ESPN, I went to a Sunday night baseball game um, at City Field, and I was walking through the tunnel to get to a place, and I was like, oh, my God, there's Mr. Matt. <laughs> and the people I was with were like, yeah. And I was like, that's a celebrity signing, Mr. Matt. <laughs> well, it, you know, we have Ballpark Village here in St. Louis, and if you go to City Field, their Ballpark Village is basically a line of auto body shops. It <laughs> is. I could not believe yeah. where I had to park for yeah. that game. Yeah. It was outrageous. So you're right by the tennis center you're right by LaGuardia and you're right by if you need to get your car fixed just drop it off and there it is auto body shops under a bridge basically yeah you get dropped (laughs) off uh with the train and you're right there yeah if you've never seen the ESPN Sports Center ad with Mr. Met just pretty good yeah YouTube that one it's one of the best. I thought Fred Bird was pretty good last year. He made me laugh. Fred Bird was fantastic. Oh, Fred Ross. He stole, yeah, he, he stole the yeah Fred Ross. He stole <laughs> the show on many games at home. Did yeah. a hell of a job. Yeah, that he, might have been one of my favorite moments of last season, is you losing it over Fred Ross. <laughs> well, the first. <laughs> or so, was that the one that you the, laughed the most? Yeah, the first one. He was dressed as um, he was doing his laundry. Yeah, oh ironing, yeah, ironing. Yeah. That's yeah, right. And it just caught me by surprise. Like here we are in this odd season of cutouts no fans it's so weird we're piping in crowd and they said oh by the way read this promo and i read the promo and i look up at the screen and there he is in a dress and i guess it's mrs fredbird and uh she's doing the laundry well and it was different the one at the end of the season when bader hit the painting too oh, that was fred so ross good. Yeah. so good he and has was, the painting right i believe he does if he didn't uh i think maybe um cardinals authentics or, or the hall of fame got it but it was the only time I know Fred Bird very well, uh-huh. and it was the only time that Fred Bird actually, during that time, it would always come up in the fourth inning when we have our read and we'd shoot Fred Bird in Big Mac land. It was the only time that Fred Bird had to, uh, nature had called. So um, <laughs> The only time. Yeah, yeah. It just, uh, he just so happened to hit the painting. And, he, had, and wow. he hit the painting. It was the only time all year. That's amazing. Yeah. What a conversation piece if you have that painting in your house. Oh, this it's is. awesome. What's up with this? Yeah, well, yeah. tell me the story behind this one. He hit the painting, and it would have hit him because he was acting like he was painting, so his back was to the infield. <laughs> it would have hit him right on his noggin. <laughs> I right mean, on his right, beak? Yeah, right that on the beak. That would have been so great. That would have been, been incredible. Awesome. Yeah. It would have been awesome. All right. This has been a great show. Thanks to uh, our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Great job. Thank you. Michelle, thank you. Thanks, guys. See you tomorrow. And Danny, let's do it again tomorrow. All right. I'll be here at 7, bright-eyed and ready to roll. Love it. Emily, Michelle, Dan, Randy, we all thank you for tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show. Dan and BK coming up until 11 for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis.
You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.